Injured in a car accident? It's about money. Your money. Your settlement. We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery? You pay no fees or costs. We strive to get you more at LawyerUp904.com. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride on 1010XL and on 92.5 FM. Great to have you along with us today. Uh, Frank Franzi, Hayes Carline, Lauren Brooks with you on a gorgeous day at the ballpark. Oh, my God. Is this gorgeous or not? It's fantastic. It's almost 70 degrees out here. I'm loving life. And beautiful sunshine, not nearly as windy as it was yesterday. Uh, field looks great. Uh, doesn't it, doesn't yes. it look gorgeous out here? We're very proud of this. It's, it, this field looks, you know, a lot of heart and soul went into this thing, and it's this is my ballpark, home away from home, and it is absolutely gorgeous out here. And Got it in great shape in 12 teams. We'll tell you all about the teams. We'll tell you all about the games to watch. There's so much to talk about. We're very excited about the, kind of where this thing is. And, and hey, for the, if you love baseball, it's baseball season, right? Football ended last night about, about 1030, right? Isn't that when football season ended for the most part? Yep. And so it's baseball season now. And we're, That's we're, right. We're very, very excited about it. So certainly a, a, an opportunity now to, to follow uh, some of the best teams in town. Twelve different high school programs. We'll tell you all about that. We'll give you the schedule uh, of the teams that are coming up today. Um, uh, Inglewood, Riverside, Stanton, and Eulier in Pool A. Bishop Snyder, Fletcher, Providence, Trinity Christian, Pool B. First Coast, Ponte Vedra, Sandalwood, St. Joe's from St. Augustine in Pool C. So those are the 12 teams. Today, Yuli plays Inglewood. As you pointed out uh, very astutely last week, Lauren. <laughs> Sorry. Inglewood <laughs> tends to – it's with the luck of the draw. It's weird how that works. Inglewood hey? <laughs> tends to open this thing every year. Uh, imagine that. Yuli uh, and Inglewood today at 4 o'clock. Riverside and Stanton tonight. So three uh, Duval County public school teams kick this off. Tomorrow, Providence – uh, plays at 4 o'clock versus Bishop Snyder. Have we confirmed the starting pitchers? I've already, uh, well, I've already told well, the play-by-play guy's coming. I've already okay. told the play-by-play guy I expect him to grab a mic, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm not giving him any options. Dan Hicken's going to grab a mic, uh, but uh, but I'll find out uh, if uh, Brooks Hicken's going to pitch in that game tomorrow. But that's from our Trinity Christian and Fletcher. Uh, they play the nightcap on Wednesday, St. Joe's and First Coast, and then Sandwood and Ponte Vedra, and then a winner's play on Saturday. The loser's bracket is Thursday and Friday. So, Who would you expect to win you know, as uh, of now? Mia asked me who are some of the better teams. I don't know. I really, and I, I, I don't want to fake it. I really don't know who's good and who's not. I should, but that, that's an honest answer. Well, the season hasn't started and yet. And football kind of got us going for a long time. you know. So, uh, But I do know there's some really good programs. Providence has been a great program. First year under Tommy Boss, a former UNF assistant. Sandalwood under Tim Moses is an outstanding program and, and has been for the longest time. Pontevedra's won a state title under Tom Stanton, as you know. Uh, Zach Osbeck and the folks at Bishop Snyder have done such a good job with their program. Uh, and, and the local programs are very good. I'm proud of Inglewood. Yuli plays in this thing every year. We've got uh, – you know, we don't have a Clay County team. I didn't realize that. Every year we've had St. John's, Clay, Duval, Nassau. And every year we've had public and private. We want to represent everybody. And I didn't realize and just realized for the first time we don't have St. John's, Clay, Nassau, and Duval all represented. So just uh, we've had just about every team from Clay County out here. We don't have one this year. I didn't realize that. But, yeah, so we're, so we're real excited about this. We'll talk baseball, have some special guests, talk baseball, all that coming up uh, throughout the day today. We'll be here today and tomorrow. Then uh, Wednesday out at Bartram, uh, the Isle of Wings in Bartram. 
Thursday we'll be downtown at the car show at the convention center. Looking forward to that. We appreciate them uh, sponsoring us, and that's with uh, Alan Berlander and our friends at Airstream Ventures. And we may have some VIP tickets to give away uh, over the next of, few days for the cool. Jack's International Auto Show. Yeah, and the people love the auto show, man. So we're looking forward to that. And then Friday right back out here at the ballpark, uh, our last day before the finals are on Saturday. So we're excited about all kind of stuff. So thank you for listening and, and indulging us as we come out here. Uh, uh, and look, if you love baseball, come on come on by here. Come on by and if you hear us talking about it, you, you love who doesn't love baseball? Come out here and watch it on a gorgeous day. I mean, this is a gorgeous day. So if uh, if you if you love baseball, uh, come on out here. First game is at four o'clock today. Four and seven. Four and seven Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday is a rain day. We've got a seven o'clock game scheduled. We'll use it the four o'clock slot if somebody gets rained out before that. All I don't think there's any rain. And then uh, the and only then, rain I see potentially, and of course this could change, is maybe a little bit on Friday. Yeah. So so but we uh, so it's a beautiful day for baseball and a beautiful park and easy to find on Beach Boulevard where Beach meets Dean. If you know the Beach and University uh, intersection, we are probably about a mile or so east of there on Beach Boulevard behind Hogan Spring Glen Elementary School, and it's a wonderful park and a wonderful day. We'd love to have you come join us. So, so there's that. Um, there also was a Super Bowl. Have you heard? I have. Top of your head, give me three or four takes from uh, what happened last night uh, in uh, Phoenix. I think Mahomes will go down as one of, if not the greatest player the NFL's ever seen. Uh, what he did last night was phenomenal. Um, I, yeah, I think it's a shame that the the field was as bad as it was. Boy, that was awful. Um, the NFL really, really dropped the ball on on that. It was uh, really disappointing. And uh, you know, I at the time I I didn't love the call. Uh, you know, obviously the the holding penalty on uh, Bradbury. But if he's going to say post game that he held the guy, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's look if if you take a guy to court because you think he stole a car. And he says, I stole the car. Right. I think we pretty much have this one wrapped up yeah. in terms of did he steal the car or not. Uh, you know, it's the same thing here. So I, at the time, I didn't love it. But if the player is going to admit that, that he committed the foul, then it, at that point, uh, you know, I, it's, it's sort of mood. I mean, you gotta you got to say that the ref did the right thing, the official in, in calling the penalty. Uh, so I thought, you know, I don't think it's the greatest Super Bowl we've ever seen. I saw ESPN write that today. I think that's ridiculous. Uh, but I do think it was uh, certainly a, a fantastic game, very entertaining. Disappointing conclusion um, in terms of how it got decided largely on the flag. But, uh, you know, and, and the NFL's got to figure out what they're going to do about the field. Uh, moving forward, they spent eight hundred grand on a field that yeah. was awful. Put in um, just for this. Put yeah. in just for this. Yeah. So uh, maybe they're overthinking exactly what they're doing with that. But yeah, you know, I thought it was. Uh, other than that, I thought it was a great game. And again, it's one of those performances from Patrick Mahomes that absolutely adds to a legacy. That at twenty-seven years old, uh, it, it it sort of feels like how it felt when Tiger Woods had won four majors, and you just kind of assumed. Well, he's going to race past Jack Nicholas. Uh, now, maybe something happened. Maybe Mahomes won't get to seven. Obviously, there's a ton of resistance, and you only get one opportunity a year. It's not like majors where you, you have four chances every calendar year. But, uh, but it feels like this is the start of Patrick Mahomes becoming arguably the greatest player to ever do it. And uh, obviously, he's well on his way to you know a first ballot Hall of Fame career. Yeah, I totally agree with, with all of that. Thank goodness for the long halftime is what I'll say, because I don't know that Mahomes would have been 
as good without being able to to get a lot of treatment on that ankle. Uh, we saw him certainly sprain it against Jacksonville and then re-sprain it last night. Andy Reid's play calling. The fact that they watched the Jaguars have that play with Jamal Agnew against the Eagles. Andy Reid said that's a brilliant play call and was able to put it in for two touchdowns last night. Andy Reid is one of the greatest coaches. And, and I think Jalen Hurts cemented himself. Uh, look, I had doubts about him as a passer. In the biggest moments, he shined last night. Yeah, I will say that, first of all, Hurts was fantastic. Jalen Hurts balled, man. He was he was a fantastic he, – he, he was absolutely fantastic. That was two good teams, man. That was two – they could play again in the Eagles win. They could play again in the Chiefs win. There was two really good teams. To the first point that you came out of your mouth, Hayes, yeah, Patrick Mahomes will now – he's 27, by the way. Who knows how many of these are coming? He's right on track to be Brady. Now – Brady kept doing it for the next 10, 12 years, but he's right on track to be one of the greatest players in the history of the sport. And there's there's no debate whether you, I see people on Twitter, oh, he was faking the ankle injury. Who cares? I, I think number one, I don't think he was faking it. But the ankle isn't what matters. What matters is on the biggest stage in the sport, he was the biggest player. And uh, and I agree with you, Lauren. The play call, the play calling, the starting the guy in motion, and then and then and then stopping and go, that's really good stuff. We have seen Doug do it with Jamal. We have seen. We saw it twice last night. That'll be the play that stands out. So, uh, But a fantastic Super Bowl. Really, I mean, just a fantastically played game. I've, I've got a thought about the holding call. I'll get to that after the break. With, with that and, and so many other things, the field as well. But for now, to start the program, I want to just, you know, take in how good it was. I, just just how good it was. A fantastic game. A fun watch. Um, two fantastic games to watch in a and, and I mean, it was just absolutely spectacular, and, and I I loved every minute of it. I loved watching it. I, I, I that's how it's supposed to go. It wasn't perfect. We didn't want the call or the whether it was the call or to your point, Hayes, the penalty, regardless of who's the fault. I mean, we didn't want it to see something like that happen. But but it was a wonderful game. It was it was um, that's how it's supposed to be, man. I, we've seen enough of the San Francisco blow San Diego out game. This was fantastic, man. There was a. Uh, and two teams that are going to be around for a long time. So uh, part of today's question, or part of today's show, we're doing this show in Jacksonville, by the way, not in Philadelphia or Kansas City. So part of today's show will be, okay, how does the local team measure up, right? I mean, that, that's the next question is now that we've seen this, how does our team measure up? And that will be a big part of our conversation today. We're going to certainly talk about that. I'm going to talk about the game last night. I'm going to talk about moving forward, what the league does well, what the league needs to do differently, all that coming up. A lot of Super Bowl talk today. We'll also tell you we're at the Walk-Off Charities uh, Tournament. Where, by the way, did you see that, Lauren? See what happened? Were you watching? Yes, I was watching. I mean, right here, did you see what happened? I did. When just sat here, I just was presented with an Inglewood baseball hat. How good is this? I mean, how good is I mean, or how good is that? Is that what I'm supposed to say? How good, it, you, know? you get to say whatever you want okay, to say, but yes, that's the saying. Yeah, how good yeah, is yeah. That? I, I, I'm gonna, you know, I'm probably the guy that shouldn't get it wrong. <laughs> okay, I probably should get that one right. So uh, it's a good looking ball cap. Yeah, it really is an Inglewood baseball cap. I'll wear the heck out of it. I certainly will. So uh, thank you to my uh, my friend Lee Gagger for bringing it by. I certainly do uh, appreciate that. All right, a lot of things to talk about today on the program. Uh, let's take a break. I want to start with the game, uh, how it happened, why it happened. I will weigh in on the holding call. Uh, all that and more. Glad you're with us. Uh, this is a Monday. Our Mondays are always brought to you by our friends at The Best Bet. My friend Jamie Shelton and all those folks at The Best Bet do such great work. I'm proud to be sponsored by them as we have been for the longest time. Here at San Susi Baseball Park on a Monday, this is 1010XL, and it's 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the hate. On The Frangie Show, with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine, it's Best Bet. 
That was the comments of Mitch Holthus, the longtime play-by-play voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs win it for the second time in four years. Andy Reid has two of them now. Patrick Mahomes has two of them. In a, in a thrilling game, the Chiefs win it 38-35. to Let me not bury the lead. Here's my take on the, on the penalty. And I've said this consistently since it happened. Number one, he held it. He, he, there, there's no getting around, though, and I'm going to take a while to explain my, my take my position on this. Number one, he held him. There's no question he held He held him, held his shirt, and there's no getting around it. And to his credit, Bradbury said afterwards, I held him. I hope they let it slide. And they didn't. So it's hard to get on an official for calling something that was a foul. Having said that, let me be clear about this, and I said this last night why I was bothered by the call. In an NFL football game, really in any football game, there's hold and release throughout the game. There's two areas where it happens. An offensive lineman blocking a pass rusher or a defensive back in man coverage is going to grab the shirt and release a number of times during the game. And if you've ever watched a football game, you know that offensive linemen grab the shirt and release. You know that corners and safeties in man coverage grab the shirt and release. They had not. There was not a defensive pass interference or a holding call in the entire game until that point. There were 70 points scored. In a game where 70 points had been scored, I'm guessing somewhere along the line in that three and a half hours, somebody grabbed a jersey and let it go. Grabbed and let it go. And I think they set the tone that they weren't calling that. And I think that's the rub for people that didn't like the call, and I'm among them. I think they set the tone. If a pitcher, and Hayes, we talk about the Eric Gregg all the time, but if a pitcher, if an umpire's calling it three inches off the plate... That's not a strike. But if he's calling it there the whole game, you have to adjust. I thought the officials made it clear last night they weren't going to call something like that unless it they had no choice but to call it, unless it affected the game in such a way. In my opinion, and it's just an opinion, in my opinion, he wasn't going to catch the pass. The pass would have been overthrown even without the grab and release. That's my opinion. So I would have preferred let it go because, in my opinion, in a game where there had been 70 points scored, there probably had been a number of grab-and-releases that they just weren't calling. And I think that was what the evidence told us and probably told Bradbury or anybody else late in the game that a quick grab-and-release, you're probably going to get away with it. And when he said afterwards, he said, it was a hold, I was hoping he would let it slide. What a classy statement rather than blaming anybody. I think if he'd have talked further, he probably would have said the way they've been letting it slide the whole game because that's what the evidence told us. And I would have liked to have seen it a no call, even though he grabbed it. Like like the other times I'm thinking during the game, somebody probably grabbed and released because, in my opinion, it didn't affect the play. Someone said, well, you call it the same way with uh, two minutes left as you do three plays into the game. Agreed to a point. By two minutes left, you've established how you're calling the game, and that's what makes it a little bit different. So that's why I wish he hadn't called it. In fair, Having said all that, in fairness to the back judge, it's easy for us to watch it on TV and think this or that. He's got to call that thing instantaneously. He's got to call it at the moment. I don't think this was a grandstanding official. I don't think a guy was trying to thrust himself into it. I think with 80,000 people there and an estimated 208 million watching on TV, hundreds of millions of player people watching, that back judge has to call it. And, and, and credit Nick Sirianni for saying that after the game. He said, I, you know what, we understand that. He had to call it quickly. There's no point in getting on, going on and on about it. So my take on it is I wish he hadn't have called it. My preference would be that you don't call it if you haven't been calling those, and I assume there's been some grabbing releases during the game. And I think that's why it, it felt so 
um, it was such a dominant, controversial topic. Not that he got it wrong, but that in the course of a game like that, when it doesn't look like you're calling those, you hate to see one finally called in a moment that big. And I wish he hadn't have called it for all those reasons. Once again, it's easy for me to say that's all. football's a hard game to officiate, and those guys are trying to get it right, and he was trying to get it right. But, but, but Lauren, I'll start with you. That's my take on the, on the penalty. Not that he got it wrong. Not that he, not, not that he was trying to thrust himself into it. But, but, but in my mind, you have not been calling that throughout the course of the game, I don't think. I don't have a lot of videos of a guy grabbing and releasing. But my guess is it happened a time or two, and it's tough to see it called in that instance. I would have loved to have seen it not called. 33-yard field goal. One minute and 25 seconds left after a touchback, I'm guessing. Here come the Eagles with a minute 25 and one timeout down three. It would have been the, one of the greatest endings in Super Bowl history, and instead we didn't get to see that because the penalty was called. Not that he got it wrong, but I'd prefer he didn't call. Yeah, to me, the other part of the game, though, is the coaches are screaming at officials, and multiple times I remember during the game last night that like specifically Juju Smith-Schuster threw his hands up at one point like, come on, ref. So the other thing that happens is the coaches are leaning into those officials as the game's going on too, going, you got to call that, you got to call that, you got to call that. And eventually I think officials break and they realize I'm going to get screamed at and I probably should have called that, so this time I'm going to call it. This is a big moment. I definitely think if he doesn't call it, it's not controversial. No question. Yeah. And, I, and I left that point out, but that's a great point. There might be one quick review. They go, well, he got away with one, and then it goes away. There would not have been controversial. Yeah, and so that that's the – to me, that's why you would have liked it not to have been called. But, um, you know, and, and again, I, I think absolutely if, if the Eagles get the ball back with a minute 50, down three, I would have loved to have seen what they could do there. Um you know, but it's it's unfortunate, and you know, unfortunately, it's just been a really tough postseason for the league. Yeah. When it comes to this stuff, and it benefited the Chiefs in all three of their wins. Yeah. The Agnew was it a catch? Was it not? Mm-hmm. And by the way, I think Either that way. was not a catch. Yeah. So I, 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 in, in that, I don't think that was controversial enough, in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe I'm being a homer, but it is my opinion. Well, it was. Yeah, and and pr- it probably wasn't controversial enough because they didn't show it. Right. And. It hurt the Jaguars, who yeah. everybody was like, well, they should just be glad that they got this far. Exactly. Um, you know, so there was that. Then in the AFC Championship game against Cincinnati, they have pretty much everything go their way that could go their way in terms of the officiating. Right. And, and then, obviously, you have the call last night. Look, there's no asterisk for me. Kansas City is the best team. They deserve it. They deserve the Lombardi Trophy. Patrick Mahomes is an incredible player. But I, I do think if you had to do it again, you wouldn't call it. I think that I, I too. think I think there's more controversy having called it than if they'd let it go. Yeah, and that, and that, and, that, and, I'm, and I meant to make that point too, and I didn't. If he doesn't call it, there's no controversy. There would have been a replay. You'd have seen the little grab and release. Olsen would have said, well, "We got away with one there," like they do sometimes, and you never, and it's never discussed again. That and that is very true. Yeah, going back to the. Do you call the game differently in the last few minutes than throughout the whole game, not necessarily the first few plays? I don't think you call the game differently in the last five minutes. I think how you've been calling the game is how you should call the game. It shouldn't change just because there's less than five minutes remaining. But if you follow, and everybody says, Frank, if you don't think you should call it at that moment, if you if you don't call if you don't call it in that moment, you shouldn't call it. You're not going to call it three plays in. 
you call the same way. I don't know if I completely agree with that. Not because it matters more, but because you've set a you set a you set a precedent. trend of precedent how you're going to yeah. do it. So so anyway, for me, again, I uh, that's why I think he shouldn't have called it because they sent the message. They, I mean, does anybody really believe in a game that's 35 to 35? Does anybody believe that if that's the case, that nobody grabbed and released, not one offensive lineman or defensive back grabbed and released? Well, you know that's not true. You know there's a grab and release throughout throughout the game. You know you know there is, and they and they set a standard that they're not going to call it. It seemed like they overall just didn't want to call out of penalties, and and, and that, that's and that's, that's been the postseason, right? And that's yeah. your prerogative if you're an official, right? Other things about the game. Let me say this: I'm sure Tom Brady's going to be great when he goes into that number one analyst chair. Greg Olson's good, man. I mean, he, he, I like Greg Olson. Do you like Olson? I like him. I liked him a lot last night, more than I had throughout the regular season. You like Olsen? Yeah, I think he's fun. I think he's good. I, I, I mean, he really talks good. a lot. Yeah, Gibby, you like him? I, I love him. I think he's really good. Yeah, he, and he's really good. I will tell you this, and, and I'm glad Peter King wrote about it, or Peter King mentioned that Andrew Marchand wrote about it. The, the wherewithal that when McKinnon got the ball to scream, get down, get down, that is really good color analysis. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, you normally you don't want – the color guy to jump in while the play's going on. But that was a moment that called for it because you got the player's got to have the presence of mind to get down there, obviously. But so does the the analyst told you exactly what was happening, you know, just exa- exactly what was happening, you know. So, yeah, I thought it was uh, I thought it was great work by him. So they I also thought, questioned the coin toss right at the beginning of the game. They wondered if the Chiefs should have yeah. deferred as far as receiving the ball, and, and they said immediately the Eagles have driven down and scored touchdowns, and I forget the stat now. So they, I thought they were on point all night. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I, I, I thought he's Burkhart's good. I mean, it was a good, you know, you don't know Burkhart like you do everybody else, like you do now. That was a good team, man. It was a, that was a good. But Burkhart, well, give me what do you think? I think Burkhart's here to stay as a is a leading play by play guy, don't you? Yeah, I think he's good. I, I think he was. On point, on uh, he was crisp. Uh, you know, didn't really. A lot of times, you, you maybe try to do too much. Didn't try to do too much, and I thought he did well. Yeah, I, th- I think he's. I think he's pretty good. All right. Um, I'm going to get to the field. How in the world can you allow that? How in the world can the National Football League, who has the best agronomist in the world, I would hope, I mean, allow a field that's almost unplayable, with no weather issues, with brand new grass. How in the world do you allow that to happen? I was beside myself. I mean, if it's rain and you can't control, if it's an outdoor stadium and you can't control the rain, I, I get it. How in the world do they allow that to happen? It was uh, an abomination. I mean, frankly, it, it, it was almost like they, you know, went up to them two days before the game and started to paint the field, and yeah. they're like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> well, we're painting the field. It's yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. You can't paint this field. <laughs> the grass isn't going to hold it. I mean, it was. It looked great, but I, I don't know what what happened. But you can't have kickers slipping on kickoffs. And really, the pass rushers were limited by it because you can't bend without losing your footing. And we saw a couple times running backs look like mm-hmm. they had some room uh, but couldn't find their footing. It was, it was really disappointing. I, I don't. I can't remember a, uh, watching a game this year where the footing came into question as much as it did in the Super Bowl. And again, this is a stadium that obviously it's an NFL stadium. The Arizona Cardinals played at least eight games. Maybe they played nine. I guess they played nine because the Jaguars were 
on the road for nine. So I think the, it's the Phoenix so, Cardinals, Hayes. Yeah, the Phoenix Cardinals. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't know how you could play that many games on the Cardinals field right? and then have the issues that you had for the Super Bowl. So they reportedly paid 800000 for it. Uh, they did not get their money's worth. <laughs> um for for that uh, that investment. All right. The other thing I have for the game is Andy Reid is so good. Who knows how many he's going to win? He ain't going anywhere. He's sixty four. Trust me, that's very young. Okay, <laughs> I can't. It's the youngest age I've ever heard of. As a matter of fact, um, and so he ain't going anywhere. But boy, is Nick Sirianni likable. I thought I thought how I, I love that the camera caught him tearing up during the anthem. I thought that was real. I thought, golly, of. I uh, I'd play for that guy, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think I'd play we, for that guy. we learned a lot about him through yeah. this process. I didn't really know much about him when he was first hired, same, and same. learning about how you know his dad was a is a high school football coach, and yeah. he learned a lot. His brothers played, and how tight knit their family and yeah. family is, and his dad has overcome non Hodgkin's lymphoma twice. Yeah, and then how close he is with his kids. Like you learned a lot about him, and he is very likable and. Chris Stapleton can do that to you. I've cried in his concerts in the past, so I understand the tears streaming down his face. By the way, um, I'm not really sure that's why he cried. But, uh, no, I, I get it. But Chris Stapleton was fan. What a fantastic anthem. What a fantastic, soulful, but not overly done. Right. Just fantastic anthem. I mean, I, I, he, I don't might, get, he might be like a top five vocalist. Gosh, he really I mean, is. in terms he, of... Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, and he sucks you in yeah, to the emotion but, of but it. I mean, that was a fantastic anthem. It Just was. a fantastic anthem. I and felt bad. I encouraged friends to go with the over when they asked me because I know Stapleton so well. I thought he would extend, yeah, you yeah, know, the length of yeah. the national anthem. I thought he would extend some notes yeah. longer. But like, to your point, Frank, he didn't overdo Just, it. And so he went under the time. Sorry. It, it was a perfect combination of Chris Stapleton being himself – and not changing the anthem. That's the challenge they have, is don't change it, yet do it to you. Sure. And I thought I thought he pulled off. I thought that was fair. I, I'm telling you, I thought other than a slippery field and, and a holding that was a hold but that I wish they had let slide, um, I thought there was not much not to like about the game. So let's take a break. I want to stay on it one more time. Let's talk about Patrick Mahomes. Let's talk about Jalen Hurts. Let's talk about Trevor Lawrence. How did the Jags match up? Now that we saw we saw the pinnacle, we saw the mountaintop. That's what the mountaintop looks like last night. And from both teams, it wasn't a blowout. I mean, either team could have won that game. I mean, if the hole doesn't get called, it's 38-35. I'm get, it was 143 left, okay? So let's say they kick the field goal. That's about eight seconds. That takes you to 135. And let's say the kickoff is a touchback, okay? If the kickoff is a touchback, that takes you to about 128. So they would have had 128 left with – with one timeout, who knows who wins that game? I mean, I, my my gut tells me that the Eagles would not have gone down there, but a field goal we got overtime. So I, I so uh, what a fantastic, fantastic game. We'll take a break. Let's talk Jaguars football and how they match up. That's next. Stay with us.
Like we just discussed, Chris Stapleton and his fantastic rendition of the Star Spangled Banner, the national anthem was just, to me, incredible last night. And I think we should play it here if we have a national anthem for walk-off charities preseason baseball class. And I'll say this, Lauren, you were going to love it because you're such a Stapleton yeah. fan. My wife the same way. My yeah. wife was going to love it because she's such a Stapleton fan. Hayes and I like Stapleton not because we're in the group like y'all are. We just recognize how good he is. But So so I don't have any allegiance. It's not like Springsteen or Billy Joel was singing sure. it. Um, I have no allegiance to him. I thought it was spectacular. Just spectacular. It gave me chills, and I, I certainly understand why in the biggest moment Nick Sirianni also, like we discussed, yeah, has tears yeah, streaming down his yeah, face. It's, yeah. it, it stands for so much. It represents so much right. for our country and things like that. All right, here was one of my takeaways from the Chiefs beating the Eagles last night. The Eagles came into the game, as everyone knows, with the most sacks, and yet the Eagles were not able to get to Patrick Mahomes. They had no sacks last night. The Chiefs' offensive line was so good and that was a big reason that Pacheco was able to go off a couple times. I think that the Jaguars are going to have to keep Juwan Taylor, Cam Robinson, and Walker Little moving forward. Great point. Great, great take. Great. If you want to know why they're trying to keep them all, yeah, you watch that game. That's a great take, Lauren. Watch that game last night. And I, uh, the offensive line, and she's right, Ace. That might be why they won the game. For all the Patrick Mahomes in the world. Um, the uh, the Chiefs' offensive line came out of that came out came out of halftime. Said, "Okay, this is it." And, and remember now, we all thought Philadelphia was a more physical team. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were the more. But the Chiefs' offensive line came out and said, "That's it. We're taking over the game," and they really did. They absolutely did, and uh, yeah, absolutely. That uh, investment in the offensive line is something that uh, you have to commend the Chiefs for, and it's something that absolutely should be modeled by the Jaguars. Look, the only games that Mahomes has ever lost in the postseason. He was under duress. Yep. I mean, and you know, if he has time with as brilliant as he is, I uh, he you know, he is going to do big things. And uh, yeah, I I agree. I I do think the field hurt Philadelphia in that. Um, but the Chiefs played great, and uh, you know, it, it certainly if the Jaguars can figure out a way to keep Jawan Taylor. Yeah, it'd be outstanding the the potential of what that offensive line could be next year. Fortner's going to be a lot better at center. Uh, Sheriff will be in year two at right guard. Free agents tend to get better in, in year two. Uh, Cam Robinson will be you know coming off the injury. Hopefully he'll he'll stay healthy. He obviously like what Jawan Taylor did. Uh, the you know coaching that Phil Walsher provided was exemplary. And uh, you know at left guard, whether it's Walker Little or, or Ben Barch. Uh, I think you feel good about that area. So, yeah, it, it, but the key is keeping Jawan Taylor, and that's that's the the hardest of the three is going to be Jawan yeah, Taylor. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, again, they've got a little bit of time to, to figure it out. Uh, they've got to uh, figure it out by March 7th. That's the deadline to apply the tag if they're going to do it. So, uh, so we'll see. But a big couple weeks uh, coming up in yeah. terms of the, the Jaguars and the decisions that they have. And, you, may, Lauren, you said it exactly right. If you want to know why they're trying to keep three offensive tackles, meaning a very good player, if he doesn't win, if he doesn't, if they don't move in the guard, a very good player is not playing. Watch that game last night. That, that game last night, too, that's a really good take. And so, 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 and it's kind of transitions to where I'm going with this. Okay, again, with all due respect to these defenses, we're in an offensive era, and the offense won. The offense won the game. Okay, it was the the losing team had 35 points. Say what you want. The team that lost the game scored 35 points. We are not in the the 17 to 10 era anymore. That doesn't mean there won't be some games like that in the postseason, but that's not where we are. It's just not okay. Where we are is 
a team Jacksonville can combine 27 to nothing, come back and win a game 31-30. That, that's where we are. That's where the league is. And so to that end, study what those teams had last night. Number one, really good quarterbacks. And let me tell you two or three components of those quarterbacks. Let me tell you the first one. Forget throwing arm, mobility, strength. Those guys really freaking resonate in their locker rooms. The the two, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, really connect with their guys. Really connect. And we have that here. Okay, that's one. We, we've talked about Trevor Lawrence. We, we, everybody's talked about Trevor Lawrence's character well before it was vogue to talk about his character. He's He is a really good stand-up guy. Like, really good. Okay. And we have talked about that for the longest time, as should be talked about, all right? So that's first. Secondly, they are great passers. Jalen Hurts, a way better passer than he gets credit for. Patrick Mahomes is going to be one of the greatest passers of his generation, if not the greatest. Trevor's that. Both are really mobile. The, the Mahomes run at the end of the game won the game for them. Jalen Hurts made a run early in the game. He scored touchdowns left and right in that game. Okay, So there are guys really mobile, like really mobile. Not, not just can run if he has to, but – if, if if Trevor Lawrence needed to be a running quarterback, he could. He's athletic enough to do that. So you got that. You said it, Lauren. Both have really good offensive lines, really good offensive lines, and it looks like this team is building itself that way. The uh, They both have – did you notice this? Both have running backs that really hit the hole fast. Really hit the hole. Really hit the hole. I mean, boom. And there's a – Pacheco is a really good player. He's an angry runner, man. He's like like ETN. When he gets older, he won't hit the hole quite as fast because he'll make he'll he'll make decisions. He'll read deep. He'll read the defense a little better right now. Pow! Well, that's what ETN is. Okay, I think it's what Miles Sanders is. You know, he didn't have a great game last night. I think it's what he is. Um, you know what else they have? They have receivers. They work the middle of the field. They work the middle of the field. Now AJ Brown is in everything. Middle of the field, take the top off. But the best the best pass catcher on the Kansas City team, Travis Kelsey, works the middle of the field. One of the better tight ends that doesn't get credit for being that Dallas Goddard works the middle of the field. So where I'm going with this is if you look at the components that those two offenses had last night, I'm not talking about the defense, it's just the offense. If you digest the components that they had, the making of that is here. I'm not trying to be Homer guy. And really good play caller. Yeah, and, and you know what? And great play calling. And great play calling, which is a big part of that. It is, it is here. So the rudiments, if last night is your evidence, if last night is your case study, if last night's game is what you take to the lab to try and reproduce it somewhere, the rudiments are here. Yeah, and look, the Jaguars played three games against the teams in the Super Bowl. And, again, let's start with the game in Philadelphia when the Jaguars really didn't even know who they were at that point. It was like the fourth game of the season. And they had the Eagles on the ropes early. And the weather derailed them, and uh, and but but obviously you didn't come away from that game thinking, wow, the Eagles are so much further ahead than the Jaguars. And if they'd played in Week 14, Week 15, who knows how that game would have gone? Particularly if it had been played in in fair conditions, they went to Arrowhead twice, and absolutely the vibe was, boy, if they don't squander some huge opportunities. They could have absolutely made those games even more competitive than they what they were, and the second one was just a seven point spread where you get a contra. Well, it wasn't; it should have been, but you get a you know a, a fumble inside the five that might have been an incomplete pass, uh, or certainly could have been ruled that way. 
I, yeah, I mean, I think the Jaguars are, are very close, and you've got a quarterback that's only going to get better. He's going to have his second year with the head coach in that system. And, again, they're not it, – at worst they're going to lose between Ingram, Taylor, and Key. At worst they're losing only two. At worst. You bring pretty much everybody else back a consequence, and then you get to add Calvin Ridley, who will be reinstated uh, probably later this week, uh, in addition to – the 24th pick in this draft, as of now, assuming they don't move back or up, the 56th pick in this draft, and the 88th pick in this draft. So you're probably bringing most of your key guys back. You're going to add Ridley and three players in the draft that should certainly be able to help you, and you've got a really young roster. Who knows how good Trayvon Walker becomes in year two, what Devin Lloyd and Chad Moomer are able to do into year two. I think the Jaguars should be absolutely ecstatic about where they are and how they stack up against the Chiefs and, you know, the Eagles. Now, obviously, they won't play the Eagles next year, but they will play the Chiefs, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun because that game's going to be here. I think another thing about the quarterbacks, Frank, as you're going through it that I thought about is both Mahomes and Hurts stay incredibly composed, right. even in the biggest moments. Trevor Lawrence, as we saw, down 27 nothing, had thrown four interceptions, stayed composed, came out firing in the second half. Well, that's a big part of that whole that's a big part of that whole connecting thing. You can't lead and connect and have people respect you if you're frantic when situations become frantic. That, that that's a great point. So I so no, that's I'm telling you, my first takeaway when I, I watch we all watch the game the same way. A, let's watch the game. Let's enjoy Some the game. Some of us watch it a little more stressed yeah, than yeah, others. Yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> Good point. We'll get to loser money coming up in a bit. We haven't announced that yet. <laughs> but but I'll say this. Um, one way we all in our group watch it is how does our team measure up, right? How do they measure up? And I would say, again, if that's the case study, then a lot of what a lot of the variables, a lot of those components are here. And I think that is a, that is a it's an exciting thing. It really was. I uh, I loved that Super Bowl. I, I really – part of it was, unlike you and Gibby – Gibby, by the way, you have to wear the hat. How would you hold up last night? Were you okay? Did you get through it okay? No, I wasn't, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's an honest answer. I respect your honesty. Gibby, that was it a was, close uh, one. It was, yeah. yeah, it was about as close as it could be. Um, and honestly, I lost on the final drive because Travis Kelsey had a seven-yard catch that put him over 79-and-a-half. And I picked the under, and he went to 81. Um I had the under on Mahomes' touchdown passes. I uh, had under two and a half. He threw three. Um, I had the over on Jalen Hurts' touchdown passes. One and a half. He threw one. So right. it was that close. Well, well, the, the, here's what I, I actually think on Kelsey. We, we we went in at 81 and a half. Yeah, Kelsey, so, you so won. I think, so I think you did okay on Kelsey. Oh, I did. You yeah, won on Gibby, Kelsey. But Gibby, yeah. here, here, By half a yard. I might have been screaming that in my living Gibby, room. let me tell you the worst break you got. The worst break Gibby got of all of them to me. Devontae Smith is behind the defense. It should be a touchdown. Yep. He, 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 it's an easy walk-in yeah. touchdown, but he lost his balance and stepped out of bounds at the two. I thought it was and a you bad lost throw. The touch- <laughs> right. yeah, but you should see the smile Lauren yeah, is yeah. trying to hide yeah. right now. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, like if, if Hertz leads him in bounds like a yard, he, he, yeah, yeah, that's right. it's a touchdown. That's right. That's right. I thought, I thought when, I, when he stepped out of bounds and I was trying to remember, I didn't have it in front of me. Oh, you didn't? I didn't. Oh. But, I, but, I knew, but, but I knew one of y'all had – Hurts touchdown passes, but I didn't remember who had it. But I knew one of y'all had Hurts touchdown pass. I said, "Oh my God, somebody's." V-. And and you knew they weren't going to throw it then. 
they're the greatest quarterback sneak team of all time. Right. So you knew the sneak was coming. Yeah. So the minute I didn't, I didn't know. Did you know who had? I, I did not know who had. Y'all, all three knew. I said, okay, one of them are pissed. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know which give you. I wasn't didn't know what you. I said one of them are going to be pissed because it should have been a touchdown, and that would have put him over the two, over the one and a half. And I remember thinking, God bless one of them. And that would have decided it. And it would have decided because it. it ended up being four three Lauren. Right. And if. Devonta scores, it becomes 4-3 Gibby. Yeah. Now, had it gone to overtime, then I would have felt good about my chances with Kelsey. So that yeah. one would have yeah. right. reversed. That's true. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking. Yeah, you thinking. only needed another yard. I yeah. needed half of a yard. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah I needed yeah. a yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to get half a yard. It, it's per- and that wouldn't have helped me anyway because I was going to push. Yeah, so, but, but, but there's no Then we would point. have had the second overtime for Loser Monday. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, we are uh, we are about to start. Uh, Inglewood and Yuli uh, are going to start in this fantastic baseball game. We're very excited about the fact that this is getting ready to start. Um, the Walk Off Charities uh, High School Baseball Classic. All the revenues that come from this go to helping young children play baseball. That's the coolest thing. All the revenues, all the revenues that come. Anyone that comes here and spends, I think it's five bucks to get in. Anyone here that spends those five bucks and gets here, you're going to wind up helping. A, you're probably buying a glove. It costs us. Right now, about three, four dollars to buy one of the kids a glove. Based on our our dollar, it's going to cost about that. You come see a game, you bought a kid a glove. You bought a kid awesome. a glove that otherwise wouldn't have had a glove. Okay, so you bought a kid a glove that otherwise wouldn't have had a glove, which is a really cool thing. I get excited when I see this. I get excited when these kids come out here. Does this transport you back to high school? It does. It always does. Well, coming out here, Lauren transports me back to being. Eight. Right. Okay. But, but I mean, like, seeing the guys in the Inglewood jerseys especially. Oh, sure it does. Of course it does. It, it's, uh, yeah, our uniforms are never quite that nice. But, uh, yeah, it, it really does. But I, uh, when I come out here, it takes me back to when I was a little kid. It does every time we come out here and, and I see this field. And, and uh, the I mean, they've redone it a little bit. But, essentially, the mound's where it always was. And the amount of the time of between ages, eight years old, we played at a different field down the road. But from ten years old on, the amount of times I stood on that mound in my lifetime, you know, is 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 hard to believe. So when I come out, every time I come out here and see it, it's a it's a it's a big deal to me. So Inglewood and Uli are going to kick it off or tip it off or throw a first pitch in just a minute. Uh, that comes up in a bit. Uh, we'll tell you how the game's going. Again, Inglewood and Uli at four o'clock. Uh, Riverside and Stanton tonight at seven o'clock. Those are our first two days, so we're excited about that, and uh, we're glad to be here. Please come out here and watch a little baseball with us. We'll be here. I'll be here all week long. We'll take a break. We'll come back some other things to get to. This is ten ten XL at ninety two point five FM. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. All right, how do we assess the halftime? halftime what do you think of the halftime? Well, I was very distracted because pretty early on I said, I think she's pregnant. Yeah. And so then I was trying to figure that out during a lot of her performance. Uh, but overall, I, I liked it. I did expect other people to join her. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I thought she herself did a great job. How about you? She was fantastic. I was worried she was going to fall off the platform. <laughs> For but, real. but I worry about that stuff all the time, particularly like at Jaguar games when Jacksonville. Yes. I just always worry. I cringe. I cringe. I worry. But uh, so when I first saw it, I was like, okay, don't move. Just <laughs> Stay exactly where you are. Uh, but I thought she sounded great, and uh, she's got an unbelievable uh, uh, repertoire. And, uh, yeah, I thought I thought it went really well. I did, um, too. I, yeah. I, and I, and I, uh, I knew, like, three of the songs. Yeah. Look at me. Absolutely. I, uh, but I, I think everyone knew Umbrella going yeah, in. Yeah. And then you maybe have 
would have forgotten that you knew like right. shine bright like a diamond and, right. and stuff like that. I know, but I, but I, I thought I thought it was great. Again, I thought it was. I really thought it was a good Super Bowl. Star, other, other than the bad field, and I wish a controversial call, albeit the right call, but I wish a controversial call had not reared its head. But gosh, I thought it was a great. I, I thought everything about it was good. I, I, I really did. I, by the way, I thought the. Michael Strahan interview with Demar Hamlin was fantastic. Did you guys see that? I did not. Did you see it, Hayes? I did not. It was really, really. I mean, Strahan was the right guy to do that. It was really, really good, and it was. Uh, yeah, I did. I thought it was fantastic. So, I well, mean, by the way, what did you think of Kelsey screaming? Travis Kelsey screaming after the game that they need to respect the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. You know, listen, that's his shtick. It, it, it now comes off more as shtick to me than real, and that's okay. Stick, stick is okay. So I was okay with that. Did you think that? I mean, I, I just laughed. Yeah, that's all. Hey, you know what? Hey, he's a fun-loving guy. Good for him. He's a fun-loving guy. that's having fun doing it. But I think his, uh, I think his thing is, uh, he's a good player. I'll say that he's a good player. So um, all right, we played half an inning here in the first game in the Walk-Off Charities High School Baseball Classic. Inglewood, uh, uh, the home team. Epis- Episcopal. Episcopal's practicing here. That's why I got distracted. Yuli, no runs, one hit, no errors. So now Inglewood comes to bat. Nothing, nothing in the in the the Rams batting in the bottom half of the first again. Uh, today, Yuli versus Inglewood. Uh, tonight, Riverside versus Stanton. Those are the first uh, two games, the first four games teams to play tomorrow. Providence versus Bishop Snyder and uh, Brooks Hickett will be in that game while we're on the air. That'd be kind of fun. And um, Trinity Christian and Fletcher tomorrow night. And then the last teams to play in the tournament, uh, St. Joe's and First Coast, play at four o'clock on Wednesday. And then after that. Um, Sandalwood and Ponte Vida. That'll be a good one. That's 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. Those are the games coming up uh, in just a bit. Final thoughts on football. I want to get to some other stuff coming up uh, in just a bit. Um, I watched this game last night. I'm trying to think what changes now. Uh, officiating, Roger Goodell came out and said the officiating's never been better. I don't know that I agree with that. It's been under more scrutiny than ever. Um, but I don't know that there's much change in officiating. Will they change the quarterback sneak? It's funny you mention this because I was going to do a closing argument on it later. Okay. Um, so well, well, I might have beat you to it. Yeah. So <laughs> I will say, uh, yeah, they need to change it. It's, yeah. uh, it's gotten to the point where you're, you were never supposed to be able to push a player. Right. And, you know, it was made famous in the Reggie Bush push on Matt Leinart and right. uh, USC's big win over Notre Dame, you know, probably 12 years ago now, maybe, maybe even longer. Um, and uh, it's gotten to the point where – you can't and you can't expect a defense to stop two guys pushing mm-hmm. another good athlete right. when all they need is a foot or two you just can't it's become an unstoppable play and uh, I do think the league needs to take a, a really strong look at it the competition committee needs to take a really strong look at it because it's gotten to the point now where it's you just every team that ever faces a fourth and half a yard is going to get it uh, and there's just nothing you can do about it. the sheer physics of it. Say you're not going to be able to stop this, and, and so they they really do need to to crack down more on. If obviously if people want to sneak, sneak, but you shouldn't be able to get the push from one or more players behind the quarterback. I totally agree. I think they have to change it, and it's the reason that they changed the extra point. They made it more difficult because it was so automatic. Well, this now is completely automatic, and so I absolutely agree they need to change it yeah and, and i think they will i think the conventional thinking is that's one of that will be um, issue number one or high up on the list of the agenda when the competition committee meets 
Hayes, can they do they have the you'll know this better than me, do they have the wherewithal to immediately take action and change it? They do, right? I mean do they The they, rules on that, the books. It's just a matter of them calling it would be my guess is what you're talking about the on the quarterback sneak. Yeah, well there's not a rule I, there's I, no longer a rule that prohibits it. There's no longer a rule that prohibits that. You now can – there used to be you can't pull a player, but you can push him. That, the pulling is still on the books. The pushing is not. So you can you can push a player forward. So they'd have to change the rule. And then they need to change the rule. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I, I they changed would, it, what, like two years ago yeah, to allow yeah, it? You couldn't do it. Again, you still can't pull him. You can't right. be ahead of him and pull him, but you right. can now push him. And so – but I, I think uh, there's some rules that the competition committee can just can just change – and that's that. They can change, and that's that. And I, and I get the hunch this might be one that that happens with. Whereas some, you have to go through the union. And the, 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 but I don't think this one, Hayes. I think no. They, this would just this would be a simple change yeah. if they want to change it. Yeah. I I think they should change it. I, do I, too. I think it's gotten abused now. And again, you just you're asking a, a defense to do something that you know is basically. I mean, as long as they don't fumble the exchange, if the exchange is clean there. The quarterback's going to get a right, yard. Right. I mean, they just there's just no way around it. And so, to me, it should be legislated out of the game. Yeah, and, and, and I think that'll happen. I don't think you'll see anything else dramatic. I don't think you'll see roster sizes change, actives change. I don't think you'll see any competition rules change. You know, a lot of times, we're, Gibby, we're so caught up in baseball because baseball, this is the year of the change, right, in baseball? I mean, this is the year. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. The, the whole sport changes. The whole sport, I mean, the, the, the whole – the dynamics of this sport that's been around for 160 years is going to change this year. I don't think we're going to see anything like that uh, football-related. I think for the most part what we have is what we have moving forward. Final after, so real quick, after the 49ers game, we talked about <laughs> maybe being able to have like a third quarterback. A third quarterback. That after. might be the only roster thing that they could Great do. Great call. Hey, should they go back to that? The rule used to be you dress the third quarterback, but he's not active unless your first two get hurt. Will they go back to that? They or should. should now, they? I mean – challengers of that will say, well, you have the option to do that now. Right. There's nothing that's preventing clubs <laughs> from having three quarterbacks active on a game day. That's true. And, and I understand that, but I, I would just say this. I, I would go ahead and not force the clubs to make that call, to, to be able to have two quarterbacks active, one quarterback that is not, and if you lose both, being able to activate that third quarterback. I just – because if you're if you're gonna say well we're not gonna change it, then you're gonna you're you're forcing clubs to decide on should we just have two active and run the risk that we're gonna have to play an emergency quarterback. Uh, but if if you do, if you activate the third quarterback, you've only got a 53 man roster. Right. I mean you're and only 46 you, active. Yeah, you're getting you're getting awfully thin in some other spots. So I'd like to see it just because it to me it's one of those things that. How often is it really going right. to come into play anyway? But and what does what, it hurt? But what it what does it hurt? And when it does come into play, it really does ruin a game. I mean, I think if you're a fan and you're going to That's a game, the point. Yep. and you know you're not expecting to watch a you know running back have to play quarterback for the final quarter and a half, right? Because two went down. So I'd like to see it changed. I think, and I think it probably will change. So, uh, so we'll see. All right. By the way, for the Jaguars, who would it be if Trevor Lawrence and C.J. Beathard both went down? Not the third active, but I'm saying like on the roster, who if they didn't have a third active quarterback, who would have who would have played quarterback? Would um, it have been Logan, Logan Cook? Cook, maybe Logan okay. Cook. Or he could throw, you know. So they probably we got to protect our punter. There'd, there'd have been a lot of wildcat with running backs. Yeah, but I think if you put a quarterback in to play quarterback, it probably would have been Logan Cook. I think he'd probably be the emergency guy. 
I, I think he, I think that's probably what they would have done. So anyway. All right, let's take a break. I want to get into some basketball. The Florida Gator basketball team lost a home game to Vanderbilt. Got a lot of thoughts on that. That's the next day with us. Inning number two, we're going to the bottom half of the second now here at San Susi Baseball Park. Game one of the Walk-Off Charities High School Baseball Classic, Inglewood versus Uli. Going to the bottom of the second, no score as uh, these two teams battle it out. And I uh, love being here and love having you uh, listen in as we're here. Please come on by. Uh, we have a good crowd already here. There's going to be crowds here all day long. And every uh, all the proceeds, all of them, go to benefit uh, Walk-Off Charities. Uh, my friend Fran Delaney is one of the umpires out here. The Jacksonville Umpires Association, who are so good, work so many of the high school games in town, work some college games. They donate three-man crews, not two, three-man crews to every game out here and don't charge us a dime. That's pretty good. That's awesome. They're trying to help young kids play baseball. We surely appreciate them doing that. So three-man crews uh, from JUA, and they do a great job uh, umpiring. Uh, all positive until now. Um, the Florida Gator basketball team lost to Vanderbilt. Uh, the NCAA tournament hopes are over. They're not going to the tournament. Um, uh, they could win out and get there, but they're not going to win out. I, um, they lost a home game to Vanderbilt. The reality is both teams are now 13-12 and 12 overall. Both teams are 6-6. Six and six. The truth is they're the same. Florida had not lost a basketball game to Vanderbilt in nine games. Jerry Stackhouse had been 0-9 against them until this game. I, uh... I'm not. Uh, I'm not in the fire the coach department as so many people on Twitter are. I'm never that even when it's been two or three years. It's just not how I'm wired. But I will tell you that uh, and uh, that Todd Todd Golden better find himself some shooters. Much has been made after much was made after that game of the fact that Florida didn't play very good perimeter defense and that that's been kind of their staple. And yeah, twelve threes from Vanderbilt. And and when and Todd Golden said, listen, he he tried to say it very delicately. He said. We have to do the things that don't have anything to do with talent. He said, what he's saying is we've got to play defense because everyone knows we can't shoot, okay? And he says, I'm not mad at them when we miss free throws. I'm not mad at them when we miss threes because I know they're trying to make those. I'm a little disappointed when we don't defend. I get that's what That's coach speak. And that's what a coach is supposed to say. But I will tell you this. How they have assembled a team that's that bad at shooting is astounding to me. This is one of the worst shooting. Again, I think he coaches them well. They do play defense most of the time. They share the ball. They get good looks. They seem to know what they're doing. I like a lot of what he does with them. I think when he has good shooters, they'll be a well-coached team. It's incomprehensible to me that you can shoot that badly. And make no mistake of it. I know Vanderbilt made 12 threes, Lauren. Florida lost the game because they were 2 of 20. In today's day and age, you're going to have some games where the other guy makes everything. You just are. That's just the way basketball has become. They, I've never seen anything like this. Since the three-point era began, I've never seen a team, in my opinion, a relatively decent team everywhere else. Play hard, good defense. They're, they're, again, they were talking NCAA tournament up until Saturday. This shoots this It's incomprehensible to me that there's this many bad shooters on the team. Yeah, it's, it's honestly astounding that Florida only lost by eight points to Vanderbilt, considering those numbers. You've given up 12 threes, 12 out of 23, and you've only shot two out of 20. Like, most teams get blown out of the gym. Correct. And the fact that Colin Castleton is still there battling and, and the fact that they at least had a chance, certainly towards the end of that game, is, is really, I think, speaking highly of Todd Golden. They're not a great basketball team. We kind of knew that going in. I think they've overachieved at times. And... I would expect a lot of roster turnover next season. It's uh, it's ghastly. I mean, it, it just it's the University of Florida men's basketball team should not ever 
be ranked 308th in the country in three-point percentage. Is that what it is? It's three, they're 308th. It, uh, 30, digest, digest, it 31.4%. Digest that for a second. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but digest, yeah. continue. Well, digest just, that for a well, second. Well, just to give you an idea, there's only 352 teams. <laughs> right. So they are literally one of the worst teams in the country at making the three, which is something that is just incomprehensible. And, uh, again, largely because this isn't his identity. I think that's the – it was the positive thing when things were going well. It's that they're winning in a way that isn't really how he wants to build the team. But this is not a coaching staff, coaching identity that wants to beat you up. And this this isn't the bad boy Pistons. This isn't a guy that you know wants to win games fifty eight to fifty six. I mean, this is a guy that wants to be like the college version of Steve Kerr. He wants to have a high-level offense, three-point sh- all, and this is this is what you deliver in year one as a team that is three hundred and eighth shooting the three. I mean, it is uh, it is really concerning, and uh, and again, yes, you know he he had obviously not a lot of talent to that he inherited, but a lot of these guys are guys that. He and his his staff identified and, and brought in a lot of these players are in their first year at Florida, and I think it's concerning. I mean, I I think it's concerning that uh, the turnover that he's going to have to now do on this roster, because uh, you can't bring any of these guys back. How could you possibly any any guy that struggled to shoot the three this year? You've got to now move on from them. So uh, I I think it's it was a just it's amazing how the football season basically got. I uh, sunk because of a loss to Vanderbilt, and the basketball season is now sunk because of a loss to Vanderbilt. It, it is amazing how the football and basketball seasons have paralleled this season and their supreme disappointment. I will say the Vanderbilt men's basketball team had been playing pretty good as of late, so Florida, I don't think, should have been surprised that Vanderbilt was going to come in and play like that like I was not surprised at all that Vanderbilt beat Florida I think some people were stunned if you would watch them play the past couple of games they came in red hot and Florida obviously the opposite my opinion about it has nothing to do with Vanderbilt my opinion has something to do with the rim it's the rim that I'm concerned with I'm not I'm not concerned with Vanderbilt I'm concerned with the rim because they can't shoot it inside of it the they were (laughs) two of 20 and I mean three I mean I, I and I try try so hard not to get caught up in hyperbole and and but I'm trying to remember I'm not talking about bad teams Norm Sloan teams that were six and twenty three I'm not talking about those teams I'm not even talking about Billy's last team that was under five hundred but reasonably good Florida ba- reasonably mediocre to good Florida basketball teams I can't ever remember one this this challenge so did he guess wrong Richard looked like a guy that would make some shots Myron Jones who Mike White recruited to Florida in the portal was a guy that made shots at Penn State, doesn't make them in Florida. Still doesn't, by the way. Everybody wanted to blame Mike White for Myron Jones suddenly not making shots, but he still doesn't make them. Right. You know? So, but but I but I just, did they guess guess, guess wrong on all these guys? Koasey Reeves has his moments, but he's an out-of-control player. Yeah. You know? So, so realistically, I mean, there's all they can do now is hope they make a few, play good defense. I mean, I'm not convinced they're beating Ole Miss. Even though Ole Miss is 2-10 in the league, I'm not convinced they're beating Ole Miss. How could thing. you possibly yeah. be convinced? Yeah, so – 
I mean, it, it. and the thing that I think is so concerning is you've got a maybe not dominant, but you've got a very effective really inside scorer in Colin Castle. Really good. Really good. you're not guy. going to have next year. Yeah. And – so the defense has to honor that, and you still can't make a three. Well, and I, and I, and I would tell you this. My guess is next year, um, Kugel will be back. Kugel, there's some potential with Kugel. I'm still not sure he'll be but he, I mean, there, he's, enough of, he's a really good athlete. There's, he's enough of a slasher that he'll be back on the team. Chris Richard will be on the team. Oh, I keep saying Chris <laughs> Richard. I'm convinced his name. That's because we've all Yeah, it's because yeah, we've yeah, all said yeah, it. Yeah, But uh, is it, what is it? Will, will Richard. Richard. Yeah. Will Richard will be back on the team. Riley Kugel will be back on the team. I would imagine Alex Fudge because he's athletic and runs. Would you be shocked if nobody else came back? I w- I, I'm I, not sure anyone deserves to come back. I, I would say Kwesi Reeves will transfer out. That's a guess. I, don't, I just would guess I that. I would think he's absolutely yeah. out the door. I mean, Myron Jones and Lofton and Castleton are fifth-year guys. They're gone. C.J. Felder doesn't play. He, he had personal – I mean, this was his last year. He's not coming back. So, I mean – Jatobo can or cannot, but he's not going to help him. Also, know? please don't shoot the three, yeah, Jason right, Jatobo. Right. I appreciate all that you've done yeah. to play basketball. Niles Lane doesn't play. So, I mean, realistically, guys that are going to be back on the team, my guess is next year's team, tell me if you guys agree, is Will Richard, Kugel, and Fudge, not guaranteed any of them are going to start, but those three will be on the team. And you have 13 scholarships, right, in men's basketball mm-hmm. is 13? Ten new guys. If I lost my mind, I think it's ten new guys. I think it's got to be that. Ten or, new guys. Or, I mean, yeah. I mean, I I don't know why you would want to continue any of this because you're you're losing the only player that you had of any consequence. Right. I mean, if if they didn't have if Colin Castleton had opted for you know professional basketball this year, this team would have won four games. Yeah, and they've got they've got two freshmen. The guy from is it Germany? They have one guy I think from Germany. The sixteen. Oh, year. the Australian. Yeah, I think he's from Australia, right? You're talking about the commitment? This, no, no, no. The, oh, the, the guy, guy that just signed like no, no, no. a week guy, ago? No, no, The guy on the team now. Oh, oh. The okay. 6'10 guy that's been on the – Aberdeen is the guy from Orlando who's a true freshman. And they got the guy – they got Aberdeen from Orlando and a guy I think from – I want to say Germany, Lauren. Lauren's looking up for it, but he's somewhere. But Yeah, he's from Germany. Okay. The 6'10 guy? Mm-hmm. Okay. 6'10, 240, Alex – Okay. Something. Well, okay. hopefully he's so, the next Nowitzki. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, but that's where I'm going with this. If he and Aberdeen can't get off the bench on this team, yeah. right? They can't ever help you. I mean, I understand if you're at Duke and you can't get off the bench, or you're at Kansas, you can't get off the bench. Your time might come. If you can't get off the bench this year on this team, well, obviously you can't play, right? Well, it's like what we said about the Florida football defense. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not playing, yeah, on uh, this version right. of the Gators defense. Then you you you're at the wrong school. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I I don't know. I mean, the Florida football. I, I can tell you this. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this statement. You guys didn't come with me, but I honestly believed last spring and over the summer that FSU had something in football. I told y'all that. y'all y'all weren't y'all weren't alone. By the way, most people didn't. A lot of people thought that Frank's pandering to the FSU fans. I really wasn't. I thought FSU had something, and it turned out they did. Mm-hmm. Okay. At two and six and three and seven, I thought the Jags had something. Okay, I, I thought they were uh, they were better than their record, even though they say you are with your record. I, I think sometimes you're not. So I thought the Jags had something. Okay, I'm gonna take another step. I think the Gator football. There's something there. I, I think I think there's something there. I think he's the right recruiter. I think he's the right builder. I think there's. It may not be next year. It may be two or three years. 
But I think there's something there. I think these six foot eight, three hundred pound offensive linemen. Well, first of all, Greg, Greg Graham Mertz can win the Heisman. Okay, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Of, okay. I was waiting for that. Other than Graham Mertz winning the Heisman, but I think there's something there. The, the defensive linemen he signs, the wide receivers he signs, the size of them. My gut tells me there's something there with Florida football. I don't know when it'll happen. I don't know about the basketball because I can't. I, it's got to be a brand new basketball team. It really does. Yeah, and again, going into year two, that's not what you want to have. You want to have a, a nucleus you can build around. He's not going to have that, and uh, unless he j- convinces himself that guys that can't make a bucket, you know, all of a sudden can. But I mean, I don't know why you would why you'd make that gamble. I what th- that's what's so concerning to me is it's just not how he wants to play. If this was a defensive-minded head coach that had said from the start, you know, we're going to win games because of I mean it would have been an outdated philosophy, but if if basically it was we're we're going to win ugly, that's how I like to play. Those are the teams I like to build is is I mean it's it, lack of excitement as I would have for that brand of bas- basketball. This could at least make some sense right and that he's got guys in their building i mean but this again it's the antithesis of what todd golden is trying to do it would basically be like steve spurrier arriving at florida in 1990 and saying we want to throw the ball all over the place and then shane matthews completes 42 percent of his passes with eight touchdowns and 17 interceptions i mean it's like this this doesn't make it what what has happened to the florida basketball team and their lack of shooting makes no sense based on who they hire. Unless he, unless he just get, unless he, unless he's still a new recruiter and just guessed wrong. He just, he just evaluated guys and evaluated them wrong. That, that, and I don't get the sense he's like with Mike White. I always thought he must put pressure on his scores that uh, bothers them because you would, you, you too often saw regression. I don't get that with Golden. I mean, it. it to your comment, to the comments you mentioned after the game, I, I don't think he yeah. he gets on him about it. I just I just don't think that they can do it, and I think he's realized that. And it will be it'll be fascinating to see what he elects to do. But uh, it's it's hard to see year one being anything other than you know at best a okay he, he had to he had to figure it out for a year kind of season, or you're going to view it as just simply disappointing. I never thought that it was fair to to expect them to make the NCAA tournament in his first year. I agree with that, but I did expect an entertaining brand of basketball. Yeah, and, and, and that's I, I thought it'd be the opposite of this. I thought it would be wow if they could ever figure out how to defend. Right, they might have something and be able to win consistently. I never dreamed they'd be yeah. as poor yeah. as an offensive yeah. team as they are. And he just got there, and he certainly just got to this part of the country, even though he was an assistant for a while in Auburn, not long. Maybe he'll figure it out. And again, I, I'm, I'm, you know, but it's me. so easy to get guys in the transfer portal. It's so easy. Well, so that roster turnover to me, yeah, the recruiting may, may take a while, but transfer portal, it you snap your fingers and it feels like you can get guys. But the truth is, the guys they got in the portal aren't very good. Okay? No, but he they could turn got, around and get much better guys moving forward. Let's hope. Let's hope. And he deserves a chance to do. It. Again, we run, we, we 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 give up on our coaches way too soon. I'm not giving up on Tom Golden at all. I just think as I watch this, it's just. It's just bizarre to watch them be this bad of a shooting team. And by the way, there's great transfers everywhere. That kid from Vanderbilt that dominated Castleton is Liam a, Robbins. He's from Minnesota. Yeah. The the one of the, the left-handed guard from Alabama that's so good is from Ohio. They're out there. 
Oh, yeah. You know, so imagine if this team had one yeah. guy who could shoot the three. Yeah. Oh, that's all they would need, and we'd be talking about them in the postseason. And I've said this. I know, Lauren, you disagree with me on this. A lot of the Twitter folks disagree with me on this, too. I think Mike White's a good basketball coach. I, I will, I, I, and, and I'm not saying Todd Golden's not. I, I haven't seen enough of him to know that answer yet. But I think Mike White's a good coach. I keep going back to if Keontae Johnson doesn't get hurt, doesn't collapse, and they go to the Elite Eight that year, which I think they would have. They were they were eyelashed from it anyway, or they're they're eyelashed from the Sweet Sixteen anyway. Um, I, I wonder if he's there now, established long enough. Trey Mann's better that year. Scotty Lewis contributes that year. Does that help them get other good players? You know, he had a pretty good class coming in this year. The Renault kid that wound up at Indiana when he got when he left. I really wonder what what the the state of it would be. I really do. So, so we'll see. We'll see. But it was a. Uh, it was a hard watch. Did you watch it? Did you watch it? Did you watch oh, it? yeah. I watched it. Did you watch it? Yeah. It was a hard watch. I'm watching it. I'm thinking, my goodness. But you could tell You could tell they weren't winning. Oh, yeah. You could, you could tell, you could tell. they weren't winning. So, all right, we'll take a break. We're live here at San Susi Baseball Park on a Best Bet Monday. More in a moment on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Always a Best Bet Monday. Frank Fringy, Hayes Carline. I'm Lauren Brooks. Andrew Gibson back at 1010XL headquarters as we enjoy some baseball here at the Walk-Off Charities preseason baseball classic it looks like yuli is up one nothing in the top of the fourth so we've finally had our first score all right gentlemen in the nfl frank bills quarterback josh allen battled an elbow injury more significant than we all knew this season we all thought the turnovers were up for him yeah. both fumbles and interceptions does that make you think that that maybe he would have had a better season obviously without the injury he's had an interesting journey hasn't he i mean think about this for a second he's a uh he came into the league from Wyoming, had not played against a lot of uh, top teams, at least not as many as some others. So he comes into the game, from, comes into the league from Wyoming, and really struggled early on. And 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 there's guys like Prisco, and I give Pete credit, that always thought there was something there, and but you weren't sure. Then year three, he became a really good player. So by by year three, he's like really good, and so then he turns the corner. But then all of a sudden, he slipped a little bit, didn't he? As good as he is, it looked like Burrow passed him. It looked like he wasn't going to catch Mahomes. He, he's going to have to look in his rearview mirror a little bit, or not look in his rearview mirror, because here comes Trevor and Justin Herbert, and, right? And so, so, and now you learn that maybe part of it was because of an injury. So, hey, to, to Lauren's question, I'm, I still think Josh Allen's a really good player, by the way. I don't think there's any debating that. But I am interested now to see where he is as these great AFC quarterbacks continue to develop. I wouldn't be surprised if next year he's the MVP. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Me neither. Uh, he gets healthy. He, the thing with Josh Allen that concerns me is the decisions that he makes and the jeopardy that he puts himself in to get additional yardage. And, and he is big, but at some point you, you worry about you know making it through a, a season. And I'm sure the elbow injury affected him, but – uh, and, and his decision-making in the red zone was it really bad uh, this season. But I still think that, that his best football is ahead of him. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo next year. They're going to be kind of a little under the radar. They'll be picked to win the East. But they're gonna, no one's going to pick them to go to the Super Bowl like you know this year where they were the favorite. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if Josh Allen has a just unbelievable 2023 and uh, wins the MVP. So I'm looking at the Bills' most recent injury report, and he is listed on the injury report with the right elbow, so it's not like the Bills are going to get in trouble for not disclaiming it. 
but it sure I don't remember that narrative throughout the season that he's he's you know grinding through yeah. this elbow injury. Oh yeah, it was huge. Like in it week was. six, okay. seven, eight. Yeah. Okay. It, I just it, didn't remember was, that part. Yeah, there was a, right around like I'd say middle of October, okay. late October. It became a, a real storyline of will he miss time, and he played through it. Um, and then you know because he played through it for many weeks, it was almost like Herbert's ribs. Mm-hmm. It was like since he was playing through it, people kind of forgot about it. Um, now, I mean, this could be, you know, hey, we've gotten to the end of the year and now let's, you know, make it seem like it was more than it was. But I, I do remember at the time that there was real concern of would Josh Allen have to miss time? And, okay. And he, and he never did. My guess is it probably never got better uh, with it being his throwing throwing arm. But uh, but anyway, the, the, the biggest thing with Josh Allen is I, the red zone. That's a one year thing. They'll figure that out in terms of the reds, the red zone picks. But uh but I am concerned about how just the longevity he's going to have. I mean, this guy throws himself. I mean, it, some of the situations he puts himself in I, are just not sustainable, in my opinion, if you want to continue to be doing this when you're 35 years old. And, you know, no one talks, Frank, about Jalen Hurts and the mobility and can he sustain this. We always talk right. about Lamar Jackson because he's had the injuries. Jalen obviously did deal with a shoulder injury, but lower body-wise he was fine. But that – kind of crept into my mind last night yeah a little bit i i think listen when you introduce this new i say new newish um world of quarterbacks running a lot then that's a new dynamic i mean the, the reality is tom brady played 700 years and, and other than and other than the one <laughs> He's a turtle yeah and the, other than the one knee injury um the, he missed a season or most of a season he never got hurt because he never got hurt in the pocket. And, Hayes, you don't think, of course, you're going to get hurt in the pocket some, but not very often, right? So you don't think the quarterbacks get hurt. Now that we have introduced running quarterbacks into the conversation, yeah, I think there's a – I think you, Lamar Jackson, Lawrence, to Lawrence Point, is case in point. Just like running backs get hurt and wide receivers get hurt, quarterbacks are going to get hurt more than they did before. That's a reality. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I don't, I don't think Lamar Jackson will be effective when he's 32. I, I don't – I, I – really don't think Jalen Hurts will be when he's 32. Now, they'll be electric until then. Uh, but I, I do think that the shelf life for uh, players like that is just not going to be the same. Um, you know, you, you hope with Trevor that, that he has the magic uh, to have the long career and still give you the mobility. Uh, and, and, again, Trevor's th- shown really good decision-making when it comes to running. First off, he doesn't do it a lot anyway. But when he runs, the only time he invites, takes on contact is when he absolutely has to. It's third and 12. You're in the playoffs. you got to get a first down. You lower the shoulder. You get the first down. Other than that, he doesn't take a lot of unnecessary contact. And so, and that's going to serve him well. So, uh, you know, I, again, getting back to the Jaguars, I think they have the perfect combination of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Josh Allen's the perfect combination. If they can have a conversation with him this offseason and, and take him through the clips where he – went kamikaze and say we love you we love that this is who you are but you cannot be doing this in week seven when we're up 20 on the jets like we do not need to be taking there's a time and place and this is and he does that way too often and i mean just way too often and that's a conversation the bills are going to have to have with josh allen because he could be their quarterback you know for 15 more years but if he keeps playing like this it's probably going to be like six or seven it's honestly impressive that he was able to play with a throwing arm elbow injury I mean we obviously saw what happened to Brock Purdy I'm guessing that elbow injury or injury was more right. severe than what Josh Allen was 
But the fact that he even played yeah. through it, that obviously shows his toughness. I'll say this, too. Baseball players have elbow injuries all the time the, uh, and arm injuries all the time. Football players don't have it very often. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, remember how odd it was that that we were talking about the possibility of Brock Purdy having Tommy John. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you never now now the the velocity of your arm doesn't go a fraction as fast on a right. football as it does on a baseball, and, that, and that's part of it. But it, it, yeah, it, to it get is. in football, you have to get hit. Yeah, yeah. That, that's right. I mean, that, that, which is what happened to Brock. Purdy. And, and I can tell you, when I when I, I dislocated a shoulder when I was a junior in high school, kind of wiped out my junior year and part of my senior year. And and dislocating a shoulder, you you could even I could I could barely throw a baseball. I mean I mean I mean play and catch twenty feet away for the longest time. I could throw a football, play catch with the football just fine. You know, even even when I had elbow stuff, you could throw because it's just a different. Mo- it's, just, it's it's a totally different motion. It's a totally it's different. The velocity your arm needs to throw a baseball is totally different. But I'll, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what. What happens with again? It's, it's to me, and maybe it's because we're here. The storyline in in NFL going into next year is the, these emerging AFC quarterbacks. I mean, if you if you really do think about it, if you think about Mahomes, uh, Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, and you add Trevor to the fray, that's six teams. Okay, that have the there's only sixteen in the conference. Okay. That's six guys, and who knows what Mac Jones will become? Who knows if two two is going to be healthy? They're all you're young guys too now. I mean, think about that. Of the young quarterbacks in that conference, maybe half maybe half of them are guys that went in the first round, high expectations, and are all. Isn't that as you go into next year? There's a lot of storylines, but isn't that a prominent storyline? What winds up happening with these young AFC quarterbacks? Absolutely, and the inventory could even increase because the AFC could be. The destination point for Bryce Young, C.J. Right. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson. And imagine if all four of those players end up being good starters. I, I mean, it w- and, and I, I will be shocked if three of those four do not end up in the AFC. I think a lot of them are going to end up in the AFC South. But, uh, but if I mean, you could have a whole new influx. It, it'll take some time for them to get to that level. But in the next, you know, two years. Uh, when those players are, are, you know, have been acclimated to the league, it could even get deeper. The potential is certainly there. Well, as Frank mentioned Lamar Jackson, it's possible Lamar Jackson plays for a team other than the Ravens if they can't agree to a long-term deal. It's possible, um, but I would guess that they will tag him. Baltimore doesn't have an in-house option. They're not going to turn it over to Tyler Huntley, even though, uh, you know, he played in the Pro Bowl game. (laughs) But uh, um, you Which know, is so amazing. Yeah. So uh, yes. So um, you know, I, I would think that they will still tag him. I saw the report over the weekend that the Ravens would listen to, you know, crazy offers. Yeah, well, Tom Pelissero. Yeah, I mean, that. anyone is going to listen to, you know, if, if somebody wants to give the Ravens, you know, three ones for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, they'd probably trade him. But who's going to do that? Um, so I, I would imagine that he gets traded. It, it does seem like that. I mean, I, I will say this. I will be surprised if they reach an extension this offseason because it seems like the player uh, believes he's worth X and yep. the team believes he's worth Y, and there isn't going to be uh, a meeting of those two numbers probably until he plays another year and either has a great year and the Ravens just basically slide him a blank check and say, mm-hmm. fill in your number, or he gets hurt again 
and then Lamar Jackson's going to have to acquiesce a little bit to what the Ravens want. In the AFC, of the 16 teams in the American Football Conference, 11 have quarterbacks in their 20s, 27 and under, mid-20s, who were taken in the first round. 11. Patrick Mahomes, I think if I get this right, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Tua, Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett, Deshaun Watson. Correct. That's 11 guys that are 27 or younger that were taken in the first round, most high in the first round. I mean, I mean if you th- think about that, that's 11 of the 16. And, and of those guys, um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of those guys, eight, and I, I forgot Zach Wilson, by the way. He was the 11th. Eight of those guys – we're taking the top ten. Realize that, and it could be three more teams. Yeah, and, and three because Houston, Indianapolis, correct, and Tennessee could all could absolutely end yeah. up joining that list. Well, Houston, Houston, and Indianapolis probably are. They're almost Tennessee's lost. the one you don't know. Yeah, yeah. so so that that's thirteen then, guys. It's, I mean, it's it's amazing what's going to happen. I mean, if I said rank them by the end of next year, I said all along it would be Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, then Burrow, then maybe Burrow. Well, now I think it's Patrick Mahomes and Burrow are almost linked together, aren't they, if you think about it? Yeah. I mean, Mahomes has to be one, but yeah. Burrow, yeah. I think, is right there at two. Yeah. I mean, I mean, but Allen, Trevor, Herbert, Lamar, if he can stay healthy. I mean, it's, it's pretty – again, it's the – to me, it's the offseason storyline. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll reset what happened with the Super Bowl a little bit. We'll tell you what's going on here at San Susie Baseball Park, day one of the walk-off charities baseball classic. We thank our friends for the best bet, the best place to hang out is always at the best bet. Man, they've got those early bird specials going on at Orange Park. $300 high hands from 9 until 10 in the morning. A lot of fun stuff going on. Back in a moment. Stay with us. Butker up. Got it. Here we go. Hurts has all day. Now some rushers come. Going to throw it as far as his arm can take it, which is well short. And the Kansas City Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. Hour three comes uh, upon us now. We're live at San Susi Baseball Park. That was Kevin Burkhardt's call as the uh, Super Bowl uh, kind of came to a conclusion there. I will, uh, I will tell you now, as we look back at what Super Bowl 57 was, and I thought about this at the top. I'm hopeful and kind of believe, but I'm hopeful that that may start all this offensive stuff we have, that that may be where we're headed. Because too many times the big game, not just in football, but too many times the big game disappoints. I, again, I've been, I've been raving about this ever since the game and with you two guys today. I love what, 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 what that Super Bowl game. I loved every bit of it. Yeah, I don't think we'll see a, a Super Bowl route. It is amazing how many we had in the 80s and 90s and how it almost became a, a running joke at, at how lopsided the game would be. I don't think you're going to see that anymore. Uh, one, because the AFC is so stacked. So the AFC is always going to have an elite making at least for the next five or six years, uh, if not longer. And the Eagles are going nowhere. Right. I mean, the Eagles, again, when you see the amount of draft capital 
Philadelphia has at its disposal over the next two years. It is stunning for a team that just went to the Super Bowl. So uh, Philadelphia, they've got some guys that are aging and, uh, and that will be departing, but I don't get a sense that uh, Philadelphia is, is going away at all. And, and there could be other teams in the NFC. San Francisco certainly can't be discounted. We'll see what they do at quarterback. Uh, I think Detroit's got a lot of momentum, uh, is a team that didn't make the tournament this year that I think a lot of people will expect to make it next year. Uh, and, and the NFC East has uh, obviously has the Cowboys and Giants. But uh, I, I think just the Eagles' presence almost alone, I, I don't think you're going to see a Super Bowl that doesn't come down to the final, you know, at least five minutes for, for a, a good while, assuming there isn't some catastrophic injury to a quarterback or something like that. Uh, but they're just – there just isn't a lot of separation right now between Team 1 and Team 7. And we almost had that last night, though, as far as you're talking about catastrophic injury to the quarterback. When Mahomes went down, of course, based off of our watching of the Jaguars versus the Chiefs in the divisional round, how he was able to get up and play, that's what I thought was going to happen. But he looked like he was in so much pain, I thought, oh, no. Now we are super, our fantastic scintillating Super Bowl is about to be ruined because he re-injured that ankle. Uh, but, yeah, I think the NFL is in a really good place when it comes to the dominance that the Chiefs certainly have, the emerging teams elsewhere in the AFC, and the Eagles, other than the 49ers, Eagles look like they could have a dynasty in the NFC. Yeah, so we'll see. it'll be interesting to see what uh – what happened? And by the way, this turf is better than the turf last night. That's yeah, all I know. Someone, <laughs> Tom the catcher just brought some turf samples sample, to, sample, to you, and this turf is better than yeah, the turf. Yeah, some artificial they turf that we're looking at. Uh, exactly right. All right, some other issues. Um, future sites. There's only two future sites, by the way. There's, there's Vegas next year and New Orleans the year after that. Aren't we usually six or seven years ahead? Is they usually. I, I was only, surprised only as well left. that there were only two. There's, yeah. There's, and now there's the, everyone thinks, by the way, LA will get one. I yeah. Maybe the next one because they said they said the plan is to play every four or five years to play it there. Did you know? I had never heard that until I read it today. I, I hadn't heard that. What that was Peter King? Yes. Yeah, had that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They I, said that when they first built that stadium that the, the plan was to have the Super Bowl every four to I five didn't, years. I didn't until I re, until I read that he said that today. I didn't know that. I because I, I remember being like, well, that's greedy of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but well, they, people love going there for that. Yeah, for the Super Bowl. Uh, and and you're not seeing as many, you know, the obviously it'll be a big talking point here for the next few years. The Jaguars are going to need uh, a stadium renovation, but you're not seeing we went through a period over about 15 years where so many new stadiums work and and the league really wanted to put the Super Bowl as a reward, put it in those cities. Now you don't really see that. I'm sure when Nashville builds theirs, they'll get a Super Bowl. Let me ask you this. If it was you, would you do it the way they're doing it, moving it around, whatever? Would you Would you do what they're doing now? Yeah. Would you? I would move it around, but like we talked about, I would keep it in warm weather cities for the Super Bowl. Yeah, not just for the game, for the activity. I got to tell you, I don't know that I'd move it around. Where I, I, would you have it? Well, I'd have to figure that out. Okay. Would it be L.A.? Would it be Vegas? Would it be – or would it be two or three, a rotation of two or three? I, I – I, and, and – <laughs> I think the incredible charm, it's a whole different sport, a whole different world, but the charm to the College World Series being in the same stadium every year, I think it's a really cool thing. Now, you're not sharing the wealth, and it's only college baseball, so people don't really care if you share the wealth, and I get that. But, but I, think, I think trying to make it to Omaha, I think there's something to that. I can tell you this, if it was up to me, the NCAA basketball tournament would be in Indianapolis every year. Never leave. It's basketball country. 
It's easy. They have the great the Luke and Luke's Oil is the perfect place for it. Um, you can practice because they got the where the Pacers play. They've got they got a lot of uh, every media event, every fan event is right there. Nobody would ever have to drive a car everywhere, anywhere. You know, just like we're going to the combine in two right. weeks. Um, yeah, so walkable is ideal. Walkable, is, particularly for the Super Bowl, where there's so much fan activity. Right. There's so many different places for the concerts. There's so many places for the parties. Um, I would be. I don't know that I know the right place. Like in basketball, if I was the czar of the NCAA, which Hayes I should be, I would. I, I, I <laughs> can't would, be worse. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would. Uh, I would play it in Indiana. I would play the NCAA basketball tournament in Indianapolis every year. The uh, Nashville could be the ideal city for the Super Bowl, although it could be cold at times. Yeah, yeah. Now there, everything's right there. Right, everything's pretty much right. Although, although some of the music venues are, but I would. And again, I don't know. I mean, the beauty of having having it in New Orleans. I don't know that I'd say New Orleans because the stadium's old. But the beauty of New Orleans is everything's downtown. You don't have to go anywhere. And and again, and I don't mean just because the media guys. The media doesn't matter. What does matter is fans and getting around. As great as Phoenix was, I was at a Super Bowl in Phoenix, but everything's spread out. Miami is a wonderful place for the Super Bowl. I'd consider Miami, but you'd have to consolidate stuff, wouldn't you? You can't go to Palm Beach and Lauderdale and, and West Bra- you know West Broward. I think you'd have to consolidate. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. We'll keep an eye on that. I oh. just think I think the Super Bowl is too big yeah. to put in They're a single city. Around. Same with the draft, as we've seen. But the combine, not so much, because there's not as much fan attendance. And they're going to the move the combine, and around. they yeah. are, which I think will end up eventually going right back to Indianapolis. Yeah. When I saw that today, that the combine is only 15 days away, and we're 73 days away from the draft, I thought, "Holy cow, there yeah. is no off season." No, they're, they're really in. Well, well, this is how sick I am. Okay. <laughs> I have figured how many out. Days? <laughs> I have figured out that we have 115 frangie shows Kay. until camp opens. <laughs> All right. I've got no response to that. <laughs> He's not wishing his life away. He's just keeping track of what will be that discussing. Was of, that was an amazing show moment. Shows. You have counted the amount of shows. <laughs> Roughly, yes. Until the jazz I've oh. counted the weeks, and then I've multiplied. That would be vacations. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. But, times but yeah, five but basically, yeah. it's 115 shows. How about that? That's not till, bad. Till camp. The camp. Uh, That's I'll, what I've got to get through. Yeah. <laughs> again, again, like I say, he's a simple guy. Yeah. I, pr- I appreciate the simplicity. Um, yes, let's talk college basketball and NBA. <laughs> Yay. Did you watch the, any of the commercials? I watched some. You have any I, com- you I have wasn't any? that impressed, though. For $7 million per 30 seconds, I wasn't blown away. There were some that I really liked. Some were nostalgia. I, like, love Alicia Silverstone. Like, oh, yeah. So, like, I, in, that's true. in Clueless, she's about as gorgeous as any actress I think that's ever been. And I thought that was a and great so commercial. so I thought that was yeah, cool that, was that, good. that they did uh, a cl- kind of a throwback to Clueless I with, thought it was with Alicia Silverstone. I love it. So, love that. Um, I like the Ben Stiller, Steve Martin. Am I acting or was, am I not? I thought that cl- was kind of funny. It was at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I made a big fan. I, I, but I, I like the concept. Mm-hmm. I like the concept. I liked Bradley Cooper and his mom. That, that was, was yeah. by the way, that was hilarious. Yeah, the way they did that. Okay, and then I liked. Uh, I could certainly relate to Binky Dad. Okay, um, although thankfully that's way past me now. But <laughs> right. um, but the or the the, the pacifier, the pacifier. Yeah. yeah. So Binky right. Dad has to like you know yeah. basically do this amazing adventure yeah. to get the Binky, and then it's the wrong there, color one. at the end, which I can totally <laughs> relate to that as well. So yeah, yeah I thought that was uh, that there, was. Cute. There's one y'all haven't mentioned, Mr. Peanut. Nope. I've given you the ones that I thought were, that I at least that I took the time to, you know. Well, the one I liked, maybe nobody else will, but I okay. love it. Travolta. 
Oh, I didn't like uh, that. I loved it because I loved the movie. I loved the movie. Yeah, I, but there, where's the Olivia Newton-John? I know, I know. In, in they couldn't – you, you've got three men yeah. singing a Grease song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. But I, you had him, though, you know? Yeah. The uh, – and 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 it almost made me sad a little bit because Olivia Newton John had passed on. Yeah, and that, and yeah, that's why sing, I didn't love it. And couldn't sing it with him. You know, I thought to myself that if if she if she could have done it, if she could have popped into the commercial, mm-hmm. if she had been alive and had not passed on, and and they put her in it. But I thought I I, I just again I think he's fantastic. I, yeah, I, I like Travolta. Yeah. Um, can I say something about uh, movie trailers? Yeah. And where we're going with yeah. this? Yeah. All right. So they have a movie trailer during the Super Bowl of a new Flash movie which I could care less about. But in the trailer, they've got Michael Keaton's Batman. So are we just getting to a point where, like, any like you just time travel through all these portals? And did you see that Michael? Did you see this Michael Keaton Batman commercial? I no, did not. I didn't. Okay, so there's a movie trailer for The Flash, and there, I guess, because it's part of the DC yeah. universe, they're gonna have Batman in it. Okay. And the Batman is the Michael Keaton Batman, because I guess. So Michael Keaton's gonna be in it. As Batman. Okay. Even though he hasn't been in a Batman movie since right. like 1992. <laughs> so anyway, I just, it, it's, I, I just, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> your movie guy, your upset movie guy. I, yeah. But, but no, I did not see that. But I, but, but, but again, back to I, I, one of the greatest stories I heard. One of the, the, and again, I've told you a story a couple of times. Number one, Travolta. And Kelly Preston, God rest her soul, used to hang out in our neighborhood in Halloween. Mm-hmm. And so, and we were, in fact, we were having dinner with friends on uh, my friend Don Cameron, who doesn't have beer at his house, we were having, we were having dinner at his house. <laughs> that was that was that was a fun story, by the way. We were having dinner. BYOB, by the way. Yeah. That's how that got invented. The, uh, but but uh, we were having Don and Holly and, and Suzanne and I were having dinner. We got talking about the one family in our neighborhood where John Travolta would always come for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And my daughter bumped into him one time. But I thought one of the coolest stories when he was forming when he was filming Hairspray, okay. Which he won? Did he win the Academy Award? He was I don't nominated. Think he, he was yeah, nominated. I don't, I don't think he won it. Okay, he was I nom- could be wrong. He was. He was. He was he, I think he was nominated for the. So he was, it was. It was a fantastic musical. Well, when he's when he's filming that fantastic musical, he uh, the cast is all a bunch of young people, and they said one night when they're when they're done filming and they've got pizza on the set or whatever, he just breaks into it, and he just breaks into Summer Nights, and they're all singing along with. Can you imagine? You're a young actor. You're new in the business. You're already nervous because you're, you're you're with Travolta, you know. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Travolta breaks into Summer Nights and you're all singing it together. I mean, that would be the coolest thing ever, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, I think it's one of the coolest musical movie scenes ever. It is. From, from, from as musicals go, one of the coolest ones. I mean, I think it's just fantastic. So I, I love that commercial. Again, you're right. It was, I think Travolta's great. I have a, I'm a big Travolta fan, so... And he had a lot of tragedy in his life, lost his wife, lost a kid, but I'm not a big fan of him. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we're live here at uh, San Susie Baseball Park on a best bet Monday. It is three to nothing. Yuli leads Inglewood. Uh, the Hornets bat in the top half of the fifth. Game one of the uh, tournament, uh, Stanton and Riverside, two uh, gateway conference teams play later on tonight uh, in the first day of this tournament. Back in a moment, this is 1010XL at 92.5 FM. Man, one of y'all said the Chiefs were going to take it home this year. Not a single one. Feel that. Feel it. And on top of that, next time the Chiefs say something, put some respect on our name. The legendary Travis Kelsey with his post-game rants. Good old Kelsey. No one thought the Chiefs would win Hayes. Weren't they 
preseason favorites to win the Super Bowl? They were certainly up there, <laughs> and uh, you know they were they were an underdog in this game, I guess. But still, it's uh, it is. I, I think it's a little a little shtick, um, but certainly uh, it's look, working for them. You win the game, yeah. <laughs> you can you can say whatever you want to say, and uh, it was uh, yeah, it was it was just. I thought he was going to go for 220 yards receiving. The way the game started, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was like, that would have been great. You got to be kidding me! I was. If you had told me when he had 60 yards mm-hmm. that he was not going to get hurt and was going to come in under 81 and a half, I you you don't my house. I mean, you would own everything <laughs> I own. I mean, because it, it just was stunning. It seemed like there were no answers. Uh, and and again, you know, uh, Mahomes being Mahomes, he just found other guys and. Didn't miss a beat, but uh, but yeah, Kelsey's a phenomenal player, and to the victors go the spoils. Is a, is a really good offensive line almost more important than the receiving core? Granted, you have Kelsey, who is one of the best tight ends ever, but the the receivers, the rest of the pass catchers, are not superstars. You know, the game's changing too. I, my answer to that is, um, when it was all drop back passing, you needed tackles. You know, if your centers right, if your centers and guards were okay long as you can protect the backside because quarterbacks weren't running. So the game was only played in the pocket. That's changed now. The game is not necessarily only in the pocket anymore. So no. So now my take on that, hey, I don't know what you think, but my, all of a sudden there's running quarterbacks, there's RPOs. So not that the centers and guards weren't always important. Of course, they were all the players are important. But I think there's more emphasis on interior offensive linemen now than there's been in the past because of running quarterbacks and RPOs and the like. Yeah, and I think it's just sort of a unique question. That it it kind of depends on, to your point, who your quarterback is uh, and, and what system you're running. I, I think I'd rather have, if I had to have an elite one or the other, mm-hmm. I actually think I'd rather have the elite receivers now than the elite offensive line. Really? Yeah, because, I mean, first off, you can't do that much damage yeah, to I the agree. quarterback. I agree with that. I mean, you can't, you know, you, you really can't intimidate the quarterback uh, through physical pain like you could, like how football was intended to be. And uh, they've really taken the gladiator element out of that um, in, in how they now legislate the game, which, you know, I understand they want the stars of the game to, to be healthy. Um, but, it, I mean, the, the fact that you can't drive a quarterback into the ground, it completely changes the the importance of protecting them and and it just seems like with the schemes that that we're seeing now how quick the quarterback gets the ball out of their hand I think if if you were to tell me I could have the best offensive line in football or the best receiving core I think I'd rather have the receiving me core. too they're all important so so yeah. I mean, I mean I'd love to have them both but yeah. I think to me because we've talked so much about quarterback injuries this season I mean. Uh, Justin Herbert with the ribs early, very early on in the season. You had Tua missing multiple games with the concussions. We just talked about Josh Allen with an elbow. Lamar Jackson missed time with the knee. I mean, you go down the line, Trevor had a toe injury. It certainly didn't seem like it really hurt him, but Mahomes with the ankle, Jalen Hurts with the shoulder, Brock Purdy knocked out. They were already down to their third quarterback. Like, there are so many different quarterbacks that had injuries, and I'm not saying that's because they had bad offensive lines. I'm not saying that. But if there's a chance that your quarterback's going to get hurt, I think I'll take that extra second of protection than I would the the elite four four receiver. Yeah, yeah. Well, and but I, I get it. And, and, and to that end, I'll tell you this too. I think more 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 than ever in in football, receivers are elite receivers matter again. For the longest time, receivers were a dime a dozen. You, and, and that changed because of all the run after the catch stuff. So so it'll be interesting to see. The next year's football is going to be an awful lot of fun. You got me thinking earlier when you talked about how many days it is till the combine, till this and that. We'll be at the combine in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Uh, we'll do, we're doing our show from the Combine Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, uh, starting with Feb- February 28th and then the 1st and 2nd of March. So the Combine for Jacksonville, less important, same importance. It almost feels to me uh, you got to draft good players. And obviously when you draft lower, you're not getting as good a first. Uh, the obvious answer is you're not getting your, the, the first the t- guys at the top of the draft aren't factoring. I know that. But it's beyond that, Hayes. I almost sense that the way this team's being built, they've been built with, I mean, they were better because of free agents last year. They weren't better because of draft picks last year. They were better because of Ingram and Zay Jones and Christian Kirk and Roy Robertson-Harris and Sean Jenkins. It almost, in a weird sort of way, feels like, not saying the draft is important, it's critically important, but there's not as much urgency of getting the right guys and seeing the right guys this time around. That makes sense? It does, yeah. I mean, I, I think the combine will be incredibly important for the Jaguars because you don't really know what's going to unfold in the first 23 picks. I can't imagine they're going to move up. Uh, they could. They certainly could. But I don't think there's going to be a player that they say, we've got to go get that guy. I think, if anything, they're going to look to move back. But they've got eight picks to work off of. And so, um, you know, I, I think it's it's going to be critical, uh, not just in the, you know, the testing, but to really start to – they're going to have to interview a real broad spectrum of guys and, and how they break down the, the visits, that, you know, the 30 visits that they get that they want to bring to Jacksonville. How do you go about that? Uh, and what positions do they uh, target? I mean, we have an idea that edge rusher, corner, uh, tight end could certainly be high on their list. But, uh, but I, I think it's – I think in a lot of ways they're in a much better position. Everybody is familiar with each other. Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke have now worked together for a year. Uh, they know exactly what they're looking for. That really helps. And, and, again, in terms of information, we could be in Indianapolis without knowing a decision on Evan Ingram, Jawan Taylor, Arden Key. And uh, traditionally the uh, Jaguar head coach and general manager is made available at the Combine. Uh, so it, it'll be great from that standpoint. Yeah. I believe probably that Tuesday we think you'll have right. Doug and, uh, and Trent uh, – going up on the podium for you know 10-15 minutes and you know we'll get get an update on kind of where things are and, and hopefully all the deals are done but we know how the NFL works uh chances are they're going to get up on that podium with nothing you know nothing really to speak of in terms of contract extensions or decisions on a tag yeah league year the league year starts on the 15th of March but we'll start finding out about free agent deals Week before that, a few days before that, wouldn't you imagine, give or take? I would. You have to. Uh, you have to tag your. If you're going to tag anybody, you got to do it by March seventh. So, um, you know. So there'll be that a, is right around the corner. Yeah, yeah, there'll be a little bit of uh, of wiggle room there uh, for teams at the combine. But, but yeah, I mean, it's it's always you know. It, there's there's going to be a lot of stuff that, I mean, we're able to to ask Doug and Trent. That's that's going to be helpful. Uh, and. So, I, but I, it, I think it's going to be a, a really fun offseason for the Jaguars because there is so many ways in which it could go. You know, two years ago, we knew exactly what they were doing at one. Mm-hmm. Last year, it was more, you know, getting, you know, uh, getting used to Doug Peterson and what's it going to be like with him as the coach. And, you know, then obviously there was some mystery in terms of what they would do at one, whether it would be Hutchinson or, or Trayvon. Um, and we thought maybe even tackle. And we thought maybe even tackle, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you know, I think now it's 
it's it's more you're looking at positions more than individual players because you just don't know right. who's going to be there. And and look, I guarantee you they're going to go on the clock at 24, and there is going to be a player available that they are stunned is there. Yeah. And then it's just a question of does that player fit the the model? Is it a, is it a position of a high enough need? where you say, we just can't ignore this value. We've got to take this player. We thought he was the 11th best player in the draft, and he's here at 24 for us. Let's update you on baseball. i uh, got a good one going on here. Yuli leads Inglewood 3-2. to two. Rams batting in the bottom half of the fifth here with the runner on third, the potential tying run, and only one out. Inglewood has scored twice here. Yuli scored two in the fourth, one in the fifth to lead 3 nothing. Inglewood has scored two so far here in the bottom of the fifth. And, again, a runner on third with one out. Uh, and if trying to trying to hit the uh, uh, score the tying run here, so we'll continue to update you. What a good day it's been here. We're at the Walk Off Charities High School Baseball Tournament uh, for High School Baseball Classic. Our first game of the of the week. We'll be playing all week long here, and we'll update you on this in just a bit. Lauren By the way, Rapp- sunshine, ball peanuts, and baseball. Pretty that's good, been huh? my day today. Thank good, you. Huh? And, uh, Lauren Brooks <laughs> loves freedom <laughs> yeah. because that's an American that is, right there. That is 100% correct. And, and as we say this, how yep. about this play? There's a bouncer to the mound. Uh, the pitcher checked the runner at third, but he's a left-handed pitcher turned and threw to first. When he did, the runner scored from third base. Boy, that guy was fast. And all of a sudden, we are tied at three in the bottom half of the fifth inning. That's what you wanted as a good one to start this tournament off. Three to three as we uh, as Inglewood continues to bat with two outs in the bottom half of the fifth. Uh, Lauren wraps our program right after this with news and notes on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show news and notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. I teased it earlier in the show. We have a pair of VIP tickets to the Jack's International Auto Show at Prime Osborne Convention Center this Friday and Saturday to give away to you right now. Be caller number three at 641-1010. Caller number three, 641-1010, and you will win the pair of VIP tickets to the Jack's International Auto Show, and we will be there on Thursday. We can't wait to be there. Looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun. All right. Poor Gibby has had to suffer through the fact that he has to wear the loser hat and then also this stat as well, which, Gibby, I'm sure you've seen on Twitter. The Eagles last night joined the 2016 Falcons as the only teams in Super Bowl history to lose when leading at halftime by double digits. Gibby, did you, yeah. did you really need to tell you that, Gibby? Wow. Really? You already got to wear the hat, and then she's got to drop that on you, Gibby. Really? I know. It's, uh, it's tough. But <laughs> I, I just uh, I'm actually more mad right now. Uh, than I was last night because I did not know that I actually won the Kelsey <laughs> over under. So now I lost by one again. <laughs> it's good. You know, Gibby, wear that, wear that hat proud. But here's the good thing. After you put that hat on, Gibby, we're all undefeated. We're all 0-0. Zero zero. That's right. Well, we, we start over with yeah, the Yeah, although here. still one of us has won or worn the hat more than anyone else. That would be me. Yeah. So, and, and, Well, if you're talking about statistics, <sighs> hey, one of us hasn't worn the hat. That I mean, is I would, also true. I was going to say I wasn't going to bring that up, but that would be a lie. I probably was going to bring it yeah. up. So I know you were. Uh, this out of Peter King's Football Morning in America, more Super Bowl talk. For the postseason, playing with a bad ankle for 85% of the snaps, Patrick Mahomes completed 72% of his throws with a rating of 114.7. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and again, I keep seeing people on Twitter, oh, he wasn't really hurt. He was faking it. <laughs> really? Uh, I, look, I don't, I, I don't have the I, I applaud people that do. I don't have the ability to turn on a television and watch a guy 3,000 miles away and tell if his foot's really hurt. Apparently some people can uh, but he's he's an amazing he's an amazing player. Did I see in that article that Mahomes in his postseason career 
has thrown 35 touchdowns and seven picks. That is correct. Yeah, I mean, right. that is that is, And at absurd. this age, right, like, so he, Peter King was comparing Tom Brady at age 27. He had 11 touchdowns in the postseason to three interceptions. Mahomes has, like you just said, Hayes, 35 touchdowns and seven interceptions in the postseason at just age 27. Well, we all say you get smarter as a quarterback right. as you get into your late 20s and early 30s. If he's doing this now. Yeah, he's not in his prime yet. No. What is it going to be like? It's good thing Trevor's 23. <laughs> yeah. You got he that right. He should have at least four years of no Patrick Mahomes uh, around. You got that right. By the way, Kadarius Tony last night, we haven't really talked much about him. Wow. I, we knew as Florida fans certainly what he could be, and, and that's explosive in the NFL, but we hadn't really seen it other than against the Jaguars, and he certainly had a big night against the Eagles. Well, you, kn- you always knew that was in there. You know, he's strong, he's fast, he's changed directions. Um, you always knew if he was healthy enough, and, and, and I mean, how'd you like to be the Giants, right? You gave him away. I mean, the Giants, the Giants gave him away because they couldn't get along or whatever it was, and he. Almost won the kind of won the Super Bowl for the Chiefs. It was a great punt return. Yeah, obviously it was a lousy uh, kick. I but, mean, the, the touchdown uh, he scored, anybody could have scored. Right, but the punt return was a big time. That play. was vintage Tony at Florida. Yeah, it was. I mean, in terms of the jukes and the stop and start, it was it was fantastic. Did y'all realize the Chiefs didn't convert a third down until the third quarter with about 13 minutes remaining? I, I saw they were only like, <laughs> I think they were like four of eight yeah. on third down. Like they only had, I think, eight third down situations in the game. Now, part of that was because Philadelphia had the ball for so much longer. Right. And the other part of that is Kansas City just whizzed through. Pretty amazing. I mean, they just they just didn't encounter a lot of resistance, and so they weren't in third downs all that often. But uh, and it, that, that was, of all the stats in the game, that was the most striking one to me because I think the Eagles were like 61% on third down. I think they were like 13 of 18. It was incredible, the efficiency on third down for both teams. Yeah, it sound, felt like Jalen Hurts just ran it every time the right. Eagles had a third down, and, and certainly he was very effective. Andy Reid became the first head coach in NFL, NBA, MLB, or NHL history to win each of his first two championships in his 20th season or later. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? I love that. And, and, and I love the fact that he didn't go anywhere. No, I he's mean, certainly not. I mean, I mean, look. Well, there were talks about, I guess, him potentially retiring, but he squashed that last night. Yeah, I mean, he's and again, he's got – Look, he's had some tough stuff away from it. You know, he's got a son that's mm-hmm. incarcerated right yeah. now. And he's him. got the grandson, I think, living with him, Maverick. I know he's, he, I know he's certainly with him during all this. I don't right. know if he's living with him, like, full time. It, it will be interesting, again, if from the Jaguars' perspective, you're looking at having to catch Kansas City. Uh, that's the only thing that, that maybe gives you – uh, not hope, because you should always have hope. And, and there's no – you know, the Jaguars might just, might just go ahead of the Chiefs. But – uh, but you, it does make you wonder what Kansas City will be when Andy Reid does retire. And obviously he's coming back for another year, but I don't know that he's going to be there five years from now. And that will be a very big hire mm-hmm. for the Chiefs uh, in terms of – because now you're talking about that will be the, the prime of Mahomes' career. Yeah, it certainly will. We've talked about Derek Carr a lot. Well, news came out he is being released after informing the team he will not accept a trade to the Saints or anyone else. How about that? So, so he's, they're going to release him, and then he'll pick this team. Yep. How about that? You know what? Um, that'll be very interesting. Everyone, everyone's got to kind of ticketed him to New Orleans. I'm not so sure. What do you think? I think it probably is going to end up being New Orleans, uh, but I do think it's just hysterical that 
teams are falling all over themselves to to sign him. I, I mean, know. Cause I, I totally agree. I mean, because totally I, I I do think that he is going to be viewed as if particularly if let Aaron Rodgers retire. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers comes out of this darkness retreat and and retires, <laughs> what is he doing? Then I mean, the the, the money that Derek Carr is going to get thrown because there's we've talked about it. Yep. There's four or five teams that believe we're a quarterback away, and if we can get a steady quarterback, we can go into the tournament and and maybe make a run. It is going to be ridiculous the money that Derek Carr is going to get if Aaron Rodgers decides to retire. And he's already made so much. I mean, he signed a, a pretty big contract with the Raiders. That's why I think they are where they are is he wasn't living up to it. The Colts, Frank, are planning to hire Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen, and that means the Eagles could lose both coordinators now that defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon is a key candidate for the Cardinals job. Well, here's one thing you need to know, Hayes Carline, from the Bowl School. Now that Steichen's getting that job, Jeff Saturday's available. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, Jeff Saturday's out yeah, there. So, yeah. so um, uh, you know what? I w- Maybe he can coach the Florida men's basketball. Team. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of agreed with Hayes last week. There was a, there was a side of me that thought he might just hire. Jeff I Saturday. thought there was no chance. Yeah. Well, you, you were. I right. was no, I was wrong because he was one of the finalists. I was wrong. And, that he until had no I see this man at a Colts <laughs> podium, I am not eliminating the chance yeah. that it is Jeff Saturday. But uh, it's Shane Steichen. Uh, the, they're trying to do the same thing, but the, the latest young. Offensive play caller, that's who's getting jobs, left and right. That's who's getting jobs. Yeah, although it will be surprising to me if the Cardinals go defense. But I guess because they just had offense in Cliff Kingsbury, they would go a different route. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what the Cardinals are going to do. It's hard to get a – They get seem a lost in the yeah, wilderness. They do. Yeah, they, they, really they do. They went from a team that looked like they, it had some potential to now what's the direction yeah. in Arizona. I will say this. One of the things that, I, that they've talked and talked and talked about happening and needs to happen – and I know he's up for some of these jobs, is Eric Bieniemy needs to get one of these coordinator jobs because it's clear it's being held against him that he's not calling the plays. And you, Ron you, Rivera, I know, is one of the coaches that is yeah. interviewing or that has interviewed Eric Bieniemy or will interview Eric Bieniemy. So I think going to the commanders and working with yeah. Rivera would help him greatly. By all, by all accounts, everyone thinks the world of the guy. He's sharp as can be. But it's clearly being held against him that he's not a play caller. Because if you look at all these young coordinators that are getting jobs, now Nathaniel Hackett wasn't a play caller, and and didn't go didn't at least at least most recently and didn't go so well. But I, I will tell you, I think Bienemy needs to get a job calling plays, not just being a coordinator name, but calling the play. And again, now coordinator name doesn't mean you're not a coordinator. Just like Press Taylor here, you build the game plan. You're very involved in, in, in building the game plan. You're very involved in everything that's part of all that. But I really do believe he needs to. Uh, he needs to call plays for somebody. I concur. Hayes, what do you think about Rex Ryan? That is to be the Broncos defensive coordinator, Sean correct, Payton is the is, report there. Jay Glazer tweeted out that new Broncos head coach Sean Payton is interviewing Rex Ryan to be his defensive coordinator. Be a massive mistake. Right? On Sean Payton's part. Massive mistake. He needs to go get a, a young defensive coordinator. I, 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 I would be very disappointed if I was a Denver Broncos fan if that actually happens. Yeah, it's just a, it's just too. a different game, right? I mean, it just is, and and I'm not trying to say the game is past Rex, but there's a certain way of doing things now that you 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 just you can't approach it the way. And I've listened to enough of Rex Ryan's commentary. <laughs> yeah, that correct. Nothing's changed. Yeah. So I I I'd, I'd be nervous if I was uh, Denver if if that's who they go get. I. 
I think that's a little bit more uh, more name than game with Rex Ryan. You also might go blind looking at his teeth. It his also teeth helps are so white. When yeah, he was a great defensive coordinator. <laughs> well, on, on the two thousand Ravens, that. damn white yeah. teeth. I mean, they're too white. <laughs> I agree. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> uh, what were you gonna say, Hayes? That was more. No, nothing's words. gonna beat that. So. <laughs> Did y'all know Florida men's basketball is zero and eleven this season when trailing with five minutes left? Well, yeah, because you got to make a shot. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't come, you can't defense your way back in. Uh, I did not know that. But again, I, I said it during our segment when we talked about that. I am astounded, astounded that a men's college basketball team, a, a power five school, can shoot it as badly as they do. It, it's one of the most astounding things. I mean, with a significant inside score. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, it's, I mean, how did you, again? Now, again, Todd Golden just got here. The biggest question, I said this earlier, the biggest question about him will not be Kenny X and Owen. He clearly can do that. He's clearly a good – they play hard. He knows how to play. Can he go find players that are good enough to win in the SEC? That's the question, or good enough to win in a, in, in a basketball conference of this ilk. And finally, great news for me, Florida Gymnastics back up to second in the yes. country. Still behind Oklahoma, but back up to second in the country after a big win against Missouri. Undefeated, Friday right? Night. Undefeated? Of course. How did we do on yes. the beam? We did great things. Okay. And we did, really did uh, well overall, and Kayla DiCello got a 10, and that was a lot of fun to see. I can tell you this. I saw on SportsCenter that night, they kept showing Trinity Thomas, so she must have been good. She's always good. Okay, but, but yes. I, they usually don't make SportsCenter. Right. Well, they should. Yeah, they should. <laughs> She'll go down as like one of the all-time correct. great Gators Ever. in all sports. Yes, right. in all sports. You got that correct. All right, let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL rolling with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Uh, Baloo, what a game, huh? Oh, What'd yeah. Take? What was what, what, the main thing you walked away from in that game yesterday? Um, the officials uh, had a major say in the outcome. What? Okay. Uh, I thought yeah. it was a correct call. But it was the only post-snap penalty in the second half. And you call that with 145 to go. I mean, wow. It, it, uh, it, we don't talk about that enough in, in football. I think that's more defined in, in, in honestly in hockey or basketball where you get a good sense of are they letting them play, are they not right. letting them play. Um, you know, you don't make one post penalty call, post-snap penalty call, the entire second half, and then you do it like that on a on a third down call that changed the entire complexion of the game. So, you know, I wanted this. It, it's not quite as egregious as I was hoping for, uh, but still, there's a lot of upset people out there, and I don't know the answer, but hopefully this will get us a little bit closer to, to doing something with the officiating that makes more sense. Yeah, I said the same thing you did. He did – it was a grab and release. But I don't know how many other grab and releases there were in the game that weren't called, and and the, the evidence suggested they were letting them let that stuff slide, and then at the end they didn't. I with you. I, I felt the same way about it. So, so uh, but we'll see. Anyway, what a game though. Apart from that, what a, what a wonderful game was played. Uh, what's coming up tonight? A lot of that, I'll bet. Oh yeah, all of that. Uh, we got a lot to do here over the next couple of hours. Plenty on the game, and then just a little bit of a look ahead of, you know. Just navigating your way through these quarterbacks in the AFC, that's what it's going to come down to now for the Jaguars. They are absolutely a player. They have a chance over the next 10 years. 
But, man, there are some unbelievable QBs right now in that conference. So we'll spend a little time on that as well coming up here over the next two hours. All right. Sounds good, Rick. See you, Thorne. Thank you. Rick Ballou goes into the night right now. Folks, that'll do it for our program. Do it. We got a good ball game mm-hmm. going here. As we say goodbye to you, we'll tell you they're headed to the top of the seventh. All tied at three. Inglewood and Yuley, game one of the walk-off charities high school baseball classic. We'll tell you tomorrow who wound up winning this thing. I bet you can see it on Twitter as well. We're out here. Don't go anywhere. Rick Ballou is next on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. For Hayes, Lauren, and Gibby, I'm Frank Frangie. So long.